Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to the B-Side Boys Podcast, an Iowa rugby podcast. I'm Mr. Gray. And I'm Philly V. And we are here in the Wombat Den studio, presented by Rotor Epoxy, for a special edition of the B-Side Boys. But first, we want to say thank you to our sponsors, Rotor Epoxy. They are the premier epoxy company in Iowa. Epoxy is that Nice coating that you put over the top of a concrete floor. It gives that floor more life. It gives that floor more aesthetic. like Aesthetic, yeah. yeah I like that. It <laughs> gives it that yeah. look. You know, it just it makes you feel clean. It looks clean. It is clean. Um, so not only is it functional, it makes sense to just have, but it also looks good. I mean, it's it's a little two-for-one special, Phil. Yeah, I know. They, uh, they've had, I just keep looking at your floor. Every time we talk about this, I always look at your floor. And, and how it terrible needs to be, it is. just needs yeah. to be done. <laughs> I've done so many projects in here, and you can see paint spilled all over the place. You can see cracks. You can see just there's some, I don't know what these stains are you from. Nice, the person. You know how nice that'll look when they do that for you? I know. It's going to look amazing. We'll probably do a live video, and maybe we'll just sit with lawn chairs and watch them do it. But <laughs> no, it's going to be awesome because they do awesome work. We love those guys. If you want an epoxy floor for your garage, your shop, your warehouse, your man cave, your unfinished basement that's just concrete, get a hold of Rotor Epoxy, R-O-D-E-R-E-P-O-X-Y. <laughs> I'm so bad at spelling. And I was looking at you like almost like sounding it out. <laughs> oh my God. No, and like when people spell things back to me, yeah, like I've been writing down at my new job, like people will be like, oh yeah, email this person and they'll say their name and then they'll spell it. And I'm just like, I can you repeat that starting from the top? Because my... I'm a numbers guy, not a letters guy. So Rotor Epoxy, write it down. Look them up on Facebook. Great people. Phil, anything else about Rotor? They're the best. Possibly even the world. Maybe even the universe. You know, if there was a draft of epoxy companies, they'd go number one. Easily. Yeah. They would be the Sam Gala of epoxy companies. Who's Sam Gala? Ooh. First round pick in the MLR draft from uh where was he at again cali yeah university of cal berkeley yeah yeah so one of the most prestigious programs so we're going to take a look now at the major league rugby draft that's yeah. a pretty good transition oh yeah right? no that was best now it's terrible because i'm talking about it <laughs> i don't think you're supposed to acknowledge that's a good transition I or is it a transition at all yeah, it just felt good it felt right <laughs> but no so we took a look you know normally we record these on sunday but i was like hey phil come over to my house thursday night We'll have a few beers. We'll watch the draft. We got four guys from Iowa who entered the draft. Two from Iowa State, one from UNI, one from Iowa Central. Let's see if they get drafted. Heard some rumors that there was some talks going on. So we're watching the draft. They go flanker number one. Uh, Big, tall, lean kid. Uh, Definitely a workhorse going to the Dallas Jackals. Dallas Jackals. I don't think they won a game. They finished definitely last in the league. So they need someone. Mm. You can tell with their draft, they wanted to get stronger in the pack and they wanted to get faster. 
They drafted two wings as well. Um, then the second pick, Sebastiano Villiani at a St. Bonaventure. Where is St. Bonaventure at? Do you know? <laughs> Phil, you can't ask these questions. Like, <laughs> I thought you, maybe you know. <laughs> I, it's an it's a East Coast school. It's got to be East Coast. Um, now we're going to have to look it up, and I'm going to have to cut this time out. <laughs> Obviously, it's St. Bonaventure, New York. Of course, of course. Yeah, I, like I said, it's up northeast. So, <laughs> little scrum half there, shifty dude, great player. Then up next, there was a prop out of the University of British Columbia. Calixto Martinez. Yeah, he actually had a brace on his wrist when he went up. His right wrist, he had a brace. Oh, so, yeah. when he shook uh, George Killebrew, the commissioner of the MLR draft, he had to use his left hand. It's kind of awkward. But going right away, you see... Forward heavy. Oh, yeah. Team's really trying to get stronger. Uh, then we see another Cal Berkeley guy, center, Seth Purdy. Then another flanker from the University of British Columbia going to Toronto, Owain Rutan. And, you know, looking at the first round here, mm -hmm. they drafted eight of the th their 13 were all forwards. Yeah. Two flankers. Yep. Two scrum halves, four props, one center, two locks, two wings. The one thing I thought was really interesting when the first wing was selected, Ethan Hager out of the University of Victoria for the Dallas Jackals. One thing that Mike Petrie said, you know, he's a capped eagle, retired, really knows the game. He said, you need players at wing that make a difference. Mm -hmm. They're an X factor. Yeah. That's the difference between winning big games and losing them is that wing. I know a lot of times, like we're club rugby guys, we play lower level college rugby. Wing is normally that spot where you put the most in the experienced guy. And it's a guy wearing basketball shorts. He's been to two practices, but he's quick. He's not big enough for the pack. But when you get to higher level, wing is that position where you can create mismatches. And we saw it in the draft where teams were intentionally drafting these wings who create plays on the sideline. They mm -hmm. lock down the sideline. They're not letting defensively people beat them on the corner. And then offensively, they can create an attack. And they can kick the ball as well. So yeah. I thought that was interesting because I feel like so often we think of like, oh, the center's the playmaker. Yeah. And the fly half is the facilitator. And the eight man, oh, we need an eight man. I think only one eight, eight man, man yeah. one number eight, Neil Moylet from Lindenwood. He was the, oh, and yeah, then. In second round. Too. Oh, and then Nolan Buckley out of University of Massachusetts Lowell. Nolan Buckley went first, but there was only two number eights drafted. And, like, in my brain, those are, like, the biggest, baddest motherfuckers on the field, typically. Right. And so yeah. I'm thinking, like, every team's going to draft all number eights because the best player in every pack is number eight. And it's like, that's not the case. The number one drafted position was prop. Out of 39 picks, 10 people were props. Over like, one. That's one-fourth of the pool. It's slightly more than one. Or, yeah, it's slightly more than that. It's, yeah. like, 26% or whatever the hell it comes out to. Look at you doing numbers. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, no, it wasn't 26. I mean, no. 39, that's a that's a weird number. Three rounds yeah. of 13. But, yeah, 10 props. It really shows that in the front row, number one, prop because it is such a physically demanding position and it does take a bigger stature of a person. Cardio can be an issue and it's just the wear and tear on your neck. You need depth at prop. And teams, mm. they load it up. Well, that and then I guess probably a high turnover rate because I can't imagine somebody who's propping. I can't imagine they're like, cap lasts terribly long you know with teams like Dude. i don't think there's probably like guys have like have been on the same team or are still playing like five years later type deal 
kind of like kind of like running backs in the NFL. Yeah. A lot of it's just a lot of wear and tear. Yeah. There are props who do it. You know, the beast Tendai. Oh yeah. Martimar from yeah. the Sharks, South Africa. He actually came over and played for Old Glory. I mean, that dude had a decade long career as a prop. But again, it takes a toll on your spine and mm-hmm. your neck. So you definitely see these teams are loading up because they they need those thick bodies. Also in the draft. Uh, Connor Mooneyham, former number one pick two years ago. He was also talking. Um, he was also talking about, you know, these new guys coming in, trying to make their mark. And also we see a lot of these big name universities, a lot of repeat names. Lindenwood entered six people into the draft. Five of the six were drafted. That's amazing. Lindenwood is a powerhouse. Uh, Cutstown, another one. Cal Berkeley saw a lot of those. He was bummed because he went to the University of Life. I don't think anyone from Life got drafted because they no. only entered one guy. Life is pretty young right now. Yeah. So really interesting stuff how teams are deciding how they want to build their rosters. A name that we're familiar with in the second round, pick number four, Tomas Caceres from Thomas More University, yeah. flanker. Dude's a man. From Argentina. Yeah. Went to the D2 school out of Tennessee, Kentucky. They're in Kentucky. Yeah. And they were a varsity program. They played against you and I in the playoffs for D2, which two guys from Thomas Moore got drafted. And they got drafted really close to each other, three picks apart. Yeah. They're fly half and a flanker. They're both from Argentina. Yeah. Might have a chance to play for the Argentina national team someday. They played for age grade teams when they were younger. Uh, that dude, he's a monster. Yeah. Uh, another monster that I really when they showed videos of him pick number 11 out of Lindenwood, he went to the Utah warriors, Brandon sparks GM over there. Mm. He picked Gabe Kettering. You should have seen the pictures and like the videos, <laughs> of this guy monster, just a manlet. Well, and the thing <laughs> is these, and this is what Connor Mooneyham said about the props when he was watching like the highlight videos of them, they're big bodies, 245, 260, 280. Mm. They move like centers. They move like oh, yeah. They're shifty. There was a prop. Uh, yeah, Doyle Hedgepeth, the last pick in the first round out of Queens University of Charlotte, went to New York. Yeah. This dude was running like he was a backline guy. He was cutting people up. He was like looping. He was doing everything. The only reason I knew he was a prop, he had number one on his back. <laughs> That's how we, you know, mold, yeah. mold our game. And last thing we're going to say about the draft, really interesting stuff, really cool to watch. The league is growing. It's getting better. It's getting stronger. There was actually two players from the state of Iowa that were selected. So really proud of those guys. Like we said, four guys entered, two were drafted, and kept us waiting the whole night. Mm -hmm. They were the last two picks of the draft. So with the second to last pick, George Kilbrew came up to the podium. The 38th pick in the 2022 Major League Rugby Collegiate Draft. The Seattle Seawolves select James Kohibi Nui of Iowa Central Community College. So congratulations to James out of Iowa Central. Did you see the video uh, that Iowa Central guys posted? Yeah, it was posted on Facebook. I'm just freaking out. It was so awesome. Uh, Joe saw Joe Lippert in there. Yeah. Um, just they were they were freaking out. They were just going nuts for their guy. They said too in the after he got drafted, the like Connor Mooneyham, he said, What I love about this guy, he's passionate. In the highlight videos, and this is kind of interesting, 
not often when you're watching somebody's highlights can you see their passion mm. and here's a dude in mlr who's like that kid is passionate so he's out of hawaii he comes to iowa central for a couple years now he's going to seattle with the sea wolves to play prop uh congrats to him and good luck and wow. yeah it was really was cool really to see cool. i saw javi shared it yeah dude is way awesome have you seen him play before at all uh james mm-hmm. i have not no yeah, i never was, got a chance to yeah they were showing highlights of it it was just kind of cool too to see like crimmins field and fort dodge yeah. on the rugby on the, network yeah that's neat yeah and then so we get to the last pick of the draft and the nfl they call it the mr irrelevant pick that's remember, for last do you remember who the mr irrelevant was in the nfl draft oh it was uh brock purdy from at least iowa state but yeah yeah well check this out the last pick in the mlr draft Let's go back to George Kilbrew. With the 39th selection and the final pick of the 2022 Major League Rugby Collegiate Draft, the Houston Sabercats select Brandon Carnes of Iowa State University. So congratulations to Brandon Carnes. Hopefully, I was talking to Ant Frein. Maybe we could get a chance to talk to him. He's a guy that played at, I think, didn't Ant say it was the U-20 U.S. age grade team Mm -hmm. a few years back? And so he's been on the radar of a lot of teams. He still has a senior year left to go to Iowa State. Entering the draft early and still getting picked. Like, I wonder if he would have maybe gotten, like, well, I guess, I don't know how that would work, but... Basically, yeah, he gets to finish out his senior season, then gets to go right to Houston. Well, they, I wonder if they could have, like, if he would have just been like, oh, "I'm good for like another year." If he would have went like even higher up, so that's what's risky. And so they have the rights to his contract. Yeah, and so he, you see that in like the NFL too, where guys they they're like, "Do I go in early?" And for the NFL draft, you don't get to go back to college, right? Yeah. So at least here, you know, he can work on his craft, keep getting better, and then he's guaranteed that roster spot. Yeah, that's uh, cool. At camp, you know, then next year. Uh, yeah, it'll be really cool to see what he does. And yeah, it is interesting. Like, could he have he added more to his highlight tape or hype video? Or could he have added more to Iowa State mm-hmm. should be doing big things this fall? Um, could he have moved up in the draft? Who knows? But he took a risk, bet on himself, and you know he got picked. And that's the thing too; they're they're trying to get away from that Mister Irrelevant title in the yeah. NFL. Because here's the thing: with only 39 people drafted, it's not really know, irrelevant. <laughs> no, like there's 30, 40, 50 different people who play on an MLR roster through the 18 game season. They're going to need more than three guys. Yeah. So for Caleb Boylan from you and I, and Owen McGuffin from Iowa State, who entered the draft, you know they're their careers aren't over by any means. Their their chance at MLR isn't over. Yeah. There's so many opportunities. I mean, Owen was down with Austin Gilgronies playing um, some things in the past summer with those guys. He's been on the radar of them. Uh, didn't you talk to Caleb? Doesn't he have some opportunities coming up yeah, as well? Yeah, I mean, like, he can obviously enter the free agency, but he is also talking about uh, doing American Raptors. And okay. Paul Emmerich runs American Raptors, and he's a former UNI alum. He's been in contact with him. So he would potentially get that opportunity to go out to Colorado and develop his skills. And I mean, realistically, you know, American Raptors goal is to be sending guys to USA Eagles. So mm-hmm. like, if you want a chance to play with the USA Eagles, you'd be better off going to the American Raptors compared to the MLR. It seems. Yeah. You kind of get lost in the shuffle with MLR because mm-hmm. the MLR's goal is to make money yeah, and be a positive product and experience. The Raptors, when they went from MLR to doing what they're doing now, they said, we want to make 
homegrown talent into USA Eagles and help the national team. So look at your goals. Do you want to be a pro or do you want to be an Eagle? Of course you can do both. Yeah. But if you really want to be an Eagle, the Raptors, especially for crossover athletes, that's the way to go. But also the Raptors, that's essentially a pool of players that I swear every week, a new guy from the Raptors, oh, signed to the Jackals, signed to the Sabercats, mm-hmm. signed to the Toronto Arrows. Like every week, it seems like another guy from the Raptors is like, oh, we just got this crossover athlete a month later. Oh, look, this guy's now in the MLR. Yeah. You know, so crazy. <laughs> it, it's one of those things where you want to get your name called, but there, there's a lot more to those guys' stories to mm-hmm. be told. And it's cool, too, because I think, again, the United State of Iowa rugby, I think Iowa Central, Iowa State, you and I, Iowa, they're on people's radars. Yeah. You know, and it's funny, like, I know I always like to talk about, like, Reddit stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but somebody had broken down the number of players that were entering the draft and then, like, the odds of, like, the amount of players being drafted from each state, mm-hmm. which was really interesting. So, like, obviously the highest probability was California because there was the most players coming out of there. Mm-hmm. Iowa, the probability for the number of uh, players that were entering the draft was only one. It was, like, 1.06 or something like that. Of any of them getting drafted? Yeah. Like and a 1% yeah, chance of one. Yeah. And okay. we had two. So, wow, that's pretty cool. That's really cool. And it just it just shows, I think, too, like, people are – starting to believe like, Hey, these guys can make it. They can put in the work and they can be a dude on this roster, you yeah. know, and, and getting that, getting MLR programs to trust the development of our college programs is, mm-hmm. is huge. And I just think, you know, it's a, it's a giant funnel, our high school programs, which we're going to talk to Clint Gadbury here in just a few minutes. Yeah. He's going to talk about the girls high school season coming up, the boys high school season, high performance for high school players, the game at the high school level in Iowa is getting better. Yeah. We're Every creating year. we're creating better talent at the high school level. They're moving into college. That's raising the level of play of college. You got guys like Ant who are and uh, Brent Nelson who are bringing guys in from out of state to be at these programs. Now it's more competitive at those programs, mm-hmm. and they're not just oh I hope we can have a fun fall season. No, we want to win championships and we want to send guys to the next level. It all feeds into itself. If there wasn't these high school players pushing the pace. Those out-of-state guys, maybe it's not as desirable because, you know, that there just isn't the depth. But it all feeds into itself, and it's taking time. But I think tonight was a huge moment in the development of the respect of Iowa rugby at a national level. Yeah. Paul Emmerich's name did get uh, mentioned by Mike Petrie in the pre-show of the draft because they were talking about – they were trying to predict, like, who's going to be the small college guy, like the next – Paul Emmerich out of Northern Iowa. Who's going to yeah. be that? And I then he goes, it's going to be a hint. Like, Ooh. That, that's why I thought too. I'm like, he said, Northern Iowa. He said, Northern Iowa. Like, yeah. is he like wink, wink? And then, um, then he, then he was like, who's going to be the Tom Brady. And I'm like, they mentioned Paul Emmerich and Tom Brady in like the same <laughs> right. sentence. I'm like, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Cause late round draft pick out of nowhere, even though Tom Brady university of Michigan, that's not, like it was small, but, no, but yeah, it was pretty late. <laughs> pretty late. Yeah. No, really, really interesting stuff. Really cool stuff. Fun to watch. Fun to see. Oh, they did say though, when they're talking about Iowa Central Community College, that one of the guys was like, oh yeah, James drafted out of Iowa Community College. I'm like, we'll get it. You know, eventually. Yeah, forget the Central. Yeah. That's kind of annoying, but it is what it is. Way she goes. Yeah. We're, we're getting there. That's the thing. Again. Think of the players drafted in that first round that we were talking about. 
we got guys who could potentially play for the national team for Argentina in those players from Thomas More. We got guys from Cal Berkeley, five guys from Lindenwood. We got guys from Arkansas State, guys from all over. Mm -hmm. Iowa State and Iowa Central, they're in the mix. They're pro. They're in the fight. Pretty cool. It is cool. So I think with that being said, any final thoughts on the draft from your take? I mean, just it was really interesting to see all the players that got drafted. I mean, awesome seeing some Iowa guys get drafted. I'm a little disappointed the other two guys didn't get drafted, but mm-hmm. again, my own bias. So, yeah. but like you, like you said, their story's not over. So exactly, and we'll follow up. We'll try to follow up with all four guys because mm-hmm. um, I think it not only. I mean, we know where the two guys are going with the Sea Wolves and the Saber Cats. I'd like to check in with the other two guys to see like what is that next stop yeah. on the journey. And those two guys, they're going to create new pathways for more Iowa players. Mm-hmm. What they decide to do, more people are going to follow. You know, so I think that's pretty cool. And I think those stories are going to be fun to share because, yeah, like I said, a lot of success to be had. Um, I mean, if they want, they can come play for the Wombats. Yeah. That's always an option. It's always an option. (laughs) But you know what? I think we should talk to Clint. Yep. This is going to be a real long episode with the MLR draft breakdown. That's why it's a special episode, breaking down the draft, uh, looking at Iowa high school stuff. This is really important stuff. So um, it's important. Very. So let's talk to Clint. Yes. All right. And we are now to the interview portion of today's show. Today, our guest is Clint Gadbury, the Director of Operations of the Iowa Youth Rugby Association. Clint, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, probably pretty busy right now. Mm -hmm. We had you come in like, what girl season starts uh, really soon? Yeah, practices have been able to, to go for a while, and uh, the season will start in you know late September. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with that, and you know the regular job and, and and vacations and things like that, it's it's uh, coming to a head. Yeah, it always feels like the girls' season is one of those things that the boys' season ends, and you're like, oh man, there's so much time. We've got this because I know like coaching Roosevelt for so long, it was like, we've got plenty of time to get going, do family stuff in the summer. And then it just starts creeping in, creeping in. And then girls are like, uh, are we going to practice? We have a game coming <laughs> up. And you're just like, oh, my God, like it like it's we're here. So um, what are some things coming up this season that you're excited about? What what all is happening? Kind of give us the rundown of this season. Well, the, uh, coming up here, let's see next week. Uh, typically is like the first week of school Mm -hmm. for most schools. And so we've got that to look forward to. And that's really probably most schools first opportunity to go and recruit new players. Mm -hmm. And so it's a challenging time for some of those teams. Uh, Some teams have uh, players from previous years. They have enough of them to kind of do the recruiting for them. So uh, for them, it's, it's just all right. We're starting practice early mm-hmm. August, and then and then we go. But for some other teams, I have to restart up, like mm-hmm. like in Easter Valley. They've got a they've got some work to do to get enough girls to mm-hmm. play, and I'm sure they'll get the work the job done. But then um, we have to do the administration type things of making sure registration is mm-hmm. is up and running, and uh, we have to work with USA Rugby and USA Youth and High School Rugby uh, on that system, and they've changed it every year for the last couple of years, just because yeah. they haven't found the product that they like. Mm-hmm. And so um, we need to work with them in terms of 
our insurance yeah. and things like that and, and coach certification and mm -hmm. qualifications, things like that. Uh, and then, you know, that's, uh, we need a coaches meeting, uh, just to spread the word out there. So that's Monday, August 29th. Okay. I think the time is at eight o'clock and that's for mainly head coaches, but we really want all coaches, anybody volunteering with the teams and any prospective coaches could hop in on that, <laughs> uh, meeting it's it'll we'll post the link here soon mm -hmm. um but it's really for anybody that's interested in getting into coaching learning about some of those requirements and and then we kind of wrap it up with you know what are some good ideas that other teams are doing out mm -hmm. there uh just to help lighten the load a little bit right so with that it looks like uh the first tournament we call them a tournament uh mainly because you know 15s you're playing 15 minutes or uh, sevens, you're playing for 15 minutes. And so that's just kind of what we started calling it here. Yeah. Uh, but that's September 26th on a Monday night. And we are hopefully wrapping up our uh, host mm -hmm. bids and getting a schedule out and as soon as we possibly can. But nice. we always have great intentions of getting a schedule out early as possible, but mm -hmm. it always comes down to the last week or two. Right. Well, and that's, <laughs> and I think that's something too, that people, I think it's easy for like a coach who's not paying attention or is only looking at their team, like, Oh, other sports get their, their schedules out earlier. Oh man, this should be out months in advance, but it's like teams can still pop up right now. Yeah. Like if a new team wants to start today, they could still happen. So how do you make that schedule? That's, a lot of moving pieces up until, you know, is there a deadline for new teams? Really it's, there isn't. Mm -hmm. um, we, we don't like to add new ones after the first week. Right. We could do something the second week, but we really need those, those players, those athletes need three contact practices. Right. And that's at a minimum. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't recommend that to any new coach, new team coming in. Right. You want a few weeks with those kids. Mm -hmm. To really teach them how to tackle yeah and, and it's not do really it the right about way. winning at that point it's like yeah. it's safety yeah it's safety and it's culture right and then so we've got some new teams coming in this year right i mean the the girls league has kind of been at right around that 10 team spot but they're gonna break over 10 teams this year right yeah we were on track to get to the middle teens and then COVID <laughs> hit yeah uh, but i would you know anybody that's out there thinking about starting a team i would encourage them to to reach out to us because mm -hmm. it's not too late to start and then exactly. we can bring you into the mix so you can get ready for the next year maybe mm -hmm. and and really kind of learn from some really good coaches that run things mm -hmm. really really well and they're they're so helpful they want to help everybody they love the game they love what we're trying to do mm -hmm. and they'll they'll share everything i mean they're they'll give you every drill you want and stuff like that so uh yeah, just reach out to us and or reach reach out through somebody. The Iowa Union, you know, check with Patrick and he's he's on one of our board members and uh, you could email me. We have a website. It's been up there for 12 years. So uh, and we'll share all the links as well. So then anybody who's interested in starting a team or finding a team near them or just want to stay informed, we'll have that link with this episode as well to try to make it as easy as possible. And I feel like years past too, there's especially for the boys teams. Um, there's always like the week or two before a random school pop up and be like, or a month before we want to start a team. Mm -hmm. And it's like, Oh, 
okay, we got a lot of work to do. And then they're like, that's a lot of work. I'll wait till next year. But then they don't do anything for that yeah. full year. So you're mm-hmm. saying like, there's a girls team right now that's like, we want to start a team. Might not have all the pieces yet. What would be your advice to them moving forward? Like, maybe they don't have a full team to play uh, like league matches. They have a few girls. Um, maybe someone's ready to coach, but they just don't have all the pieces yet. What would be your advice to a, a school like that? So I would tell them to keep recruiting. If they can't get enough girls, there's two options, really. One, we can uh, look at the league as a whole and see what teams are struggling for numbers. Mm-hmm. And we might ask those kids to join up with that other team mm-hmm. just to give them some more numbers. It'll create a better culture. It'll ensure uh, you know a better outcome for, for both the, the team that's short on players and the team that doesn't have quite enough, or uh, we could they could take the like the JV route. We, we know there's some teams that are going to have some JV players where mm-hmm. we encourage uh, sharing of players mm-hmm. and, and mingling teams, and because that makes it fun. I mean, that's what yeah. rugby is, right? Yeah. Uh, we just can't do that in a varsity sense when right. it comes to a game or a tournament. The Roosevelt girls they always had a great time at JV where we put the. Roosevelt JV girls with the Norwalk JV girls mm-hmm. and both sides loved it. And then when we'd play our varsity matches, all of our girls were like, Oh my gosh, those are the, like, we kind of coached them up and they taught us stuff and we taught them stuff. And mm-hmm. it was funny because they play against each other and like, Oh, we want to win. But that spirit of the game was very alive because it's like, I can be your teammate. I can be your opponent. But at the end of the day, we're all playing rugby. And it really, you know, connected us coaches and the players on a different level that, you're not going to see that in football. You're never going to have like Roosevelt and Norwalk JV football teams combined yeah, to play right. Southeast pole, but in rugby we did it and they loved it. Yeah. Well, and something like what we did this spring, last spring with, uh, in the, with the Des Moines schools, mm-hmm. I went back to kind of helping, uh, East Des Moines East, uh, coach a little bit. I, I started that team back in mm-hmm. 2011 with, uh, Jeremiah Johnson. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he, I was initially just the, the sponsor teacher in the mm-hmm. school and he was a coach, but I just wanted to make sure that the kids were behaving properly. So I went to every practice, every game. Mm-hmm. And then um, after that, he went to go to start Southeast Warren. And then I took over East. And uh, from there, you know, we, we had some success and all that, but really this last spring, we, we practiced with Lincoln. Mm-hmm. We went to their mm-hmm. place and we practiced with them. And then mm-hmm. Roosevelt guys came over and practiced with us. And that's what it was all about. Like, after practices, guys were shaking it up, hanging mm-hmm. out, talking. Uh, after games, it was just, you know, that's the way rugby is. You, yeah. you get to know them, and then now, guess what? During the summer, they're they're playing on a group 15s, mm-hmm. you know, and that's that's really is it just that, that social aspect, that culture yep. of, uh, you know, you, you're on a different team now, but you're on the same team later on. Yeah, and that's cool to see where, like, these kids – especially like the Des Moines public schools. Like I coached wrestling for East mm-hmm. and we probably had a lot of the same kids. There was a lot of wrestlers on that East rugby team. Yeah. Like a lot of those guys, like I knew them from wrestling. And when we would wrestle against Lincoln or Roosevelt, it was like, Oh, we're going to mess these kids up. Like hate these guys. But then in rugby, it's like, yeah, these are my guys. Yeah. And then you do see them play in these select sides or then maybe going to Iowa central or you and I, Iowa, Iowa state, they're going to be teammates. Maybe they play for men's clubs. It just, it's really cool to see them continue to move on and have that comfort level. And it just kind of makes them, I don't know, like a better person all around. Cause they're like, 
oh, we don't have to always be so serious and so tribal. All yeah, the it doesn't time. have to be the East Siders versus the South yes. Siders versus the West Siders and the North Side. And like, yes. like it, it can be, mm-hmm. it can be something that's 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 fun and mm-hmm. building community. Yeah. Well, and the boys for East the year before, Valley was struggling on numbers. East was struggling on numbers. So they combined, and Andrew Ridgeway coached that Valley East team. And it was interesting this year when the Valley boys saw the East boys and like some of them who'd played together, they were so excited and they were right up like at that Southeast Polk field. Um, oh, the spring Creek complex, um, that soccer complex, all the boys are on the fence. Cheering each other on. Yeah. And then yeah. when the game's cool. over, everyone's shaking each other up. Just like, Hey, good match. I was watching yep. you. Like, it's really cool to see that. Cause again, you don't see that in football. You don't no, see that yeah. in other sports. I really, I really, get kind of tired of the animosity in, mm-hmm. in, in other sports. And that's why I gravitated to rugby. Mm-hmm. I started coaching 2011 and Chris Draper, who started this league, mm-hmm. uh, he says, Hey, we need a teacher sponsor for East. We want to start a team there. And so we started going to all the tournaments and we would go to Lacona, Iowa and play at Southeast mm-hmm. Warren's pit or football field. And mm-hmm. Great, great grass down there. And then we would send the kids on their way. And we would hang out afterwards, have a few beverages and, <laughs> and I'd be like, man, I'm struggling at this. I don't, I don't know how to get them to, to pass this way or, mm-hmm. or commit to a rock or something like this. And we would spend a couple hours mm-hmm. spending money in the local establishment and, <laughs> and, uh, and sharing ideas. And that's what drew me to it was that coaching community. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think one of the keys to keeping coaches into it is mm-hmm. uh, doing more of those things that, uh, builds that coaching community where it is uh, meeting up a little more often mm-hmm. on a Sunday night or after a game in a, you know, in a Altoona or North Des Moines or West side or mm-hmm. something like just, just hanging out, having a few beverages with the other coaches mm-hmm. and doing that you can. The only problem is that now that we're bigger, once mm-hmm. you grow, you have more to manage. You have to, you have kids riding on a bus, like, mm-hmm. like Cedar Rapids, Washington and Ankeny, yeah. both, you know, both those teams, or Centennial and Ankeny had to ride the same same bus, mm-hmm. and now those coaches can't stick around. So yeah, yeah. that's that's one of the pitfalls, and and you guys have talked about it uh, with Jeremiah before. Is when you become a school varsity sport, mm-hmm. there are some positives to that. There's mm-hmm. also there's consequences to yeah. to that decision, and going forward, that's a discussion our league, our coaches need to have. Is uh, do we stay on the same? goal do we want to be a sanctioned sport do we want to stay a club sport uh because there's positives and negatives to both sides right you know people think about oh you're doing all this coaching and it's volunteer Mm -hmm. well you keep the most passionate people in your sport we do we would love to get coaches paid right uh, but there's no great mechanism for us to do that Mm -hmm. because we're still kind of a membership model Mm -hmm. and once you become a school sanctioned sport, now you have funds available mm-hmm. front through the school taxpayer supported mm-hmm. uh, for coaching, uh, paying coaches and maybe travel and things like that. Mm-hmm. Now, but you, they also have to uh, make sure that the players are, uh, their grades are all yeah. above passing and they follow the code of conduct and things like that. And we always encourage all of our clubs to run it like you're a varsity sport mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah. Like that's, that's what you want to do, but we have the flexibility as a club sport to be like, you know, this kid really needs this rugby team. Yeah. This is what's going to keep them engaged mm-hmm. in school. So if the coach 
the team is more focused on we are a school team. Mm -hmm. They are going to engage in doing school things, which is going to create a more positive experience for that athlete at their home school, mm -hmm. even if they didn't have a good experience in school. And you, you and I know as teachers, yeah, like one, you know, bad positive, even by, or a, a negative that maybe a, a parent experienced mm -hmm. can frame that, that education process from there on out, even for their children. Right. Yeah. You hear that a lot with parents. They're just like, I had a bad experience in this building. You will too. Yeah. Because the same teachers are there 20 years later. Yeah. Um, you know, they gave me a detention 20 years ago. <laughs> I'm still mad about it. Uh, that could hold true. Oh, yeah. I, I had a teacher that had problems with my dad who had problems with me. <laughs> but I know that's not the case every time. <laughs> well, and but I think of that student too, especially, you know, thinking of where we are, our experiences with Des Moines Public Schools. Mm -hmm. You know, I've seen that kid before that loves sports. That's kind of the only reason they're getting to every morning, they're getting up to go to school. Mm -hmm. You take all of that away. And again, I mean, you got to put in work, you got to do things the right way. But yet, when that sport is taken away from them, and they feel like so much is stacked against them, they're just looking, they're like, why, why do I even go? Because I can't climb mm -hmm. out of this hole. Where rugby could be that, you know, I don't know the, the metaphor I'm the looking vehicle. for. Yeah, the vehicle for yeah. like, that's the thing that like, okay, I have rugby, I am failing my classes, but I still have rugby. I'm still going to keep going to school because if I drop out, I can't play rugby. Maybe that gets them to graduate. Maybe that gets them to start passing their classes going to a tutoring session, going to the after-school study tables. Maybe that's something that gets them back on the football mm -hmm. team to work their way back. But if it just goes from, do I play football, basketball? Well, now I have a 0 0.2 GPA, mm -hmm. and I have all these level two and three behavior referrals. I, like a code of conduct, I will never play a sport for three years now. Yeah. It's my yeah. second semester senior year that I'll be eligible. I'm not putting the work in. Yeah. You know, maybe that could be the thing that bridges the gap that helps them get out of that hole rather than like, this is too big. I quit and I'm dropping out when I'm 16. Right. And so that's, that's kind of has been our advice and, mm -hmm. and it's just, you know, approach this from within the school, keep the kids involved, get mm -hmm. them working concession stands. And as a new coach, potentially in the future, <laughs> um, you know, I'll tell you kind of the, the blueprint is number one, find kids that want to play. Maybe go to a lunchtime uh, with a rugby ball and just pass it around and talk about it uh, after school or something. Go hang out in front. Not very creepily, though. Uh, <laughs> Make sure you don't just have the mustache. Nah, no mustache. Make sure you... <laughs> it doesn't help that Make shit sure it's... now. Yeah, yeah. No V-neck. Yeah. Don't wear your rugby shorts either. <laughs> um, I'll wear my tracksuit with a tiger yeah, emblem. Tiger yeah. Find a few kids that might be interested and then have them identify a an adult in the building that can be the school sponsor mm -hmm. and then look at the school, the student uh, code of conduct or student uh, code that talks about clubs and how they're formed and how they're supposed to run, be run. Mm -hmm. And most administrations won't refuse it if it's done properly. Mm -hmm. And then uh, parents, parents will be the biggest advocate. So the parents have a lot of say in what happens when it comes to things like that. And so the more, you know, the more uh, you have players driving it and their parents, and then now you've got support and the school can almost say no. And not that they, you know, you can't fault uh, athletic or activities directors. It's not that they don't want to just allow any 
sport, any club to happen, mm-hmm. they're already understaffed and they're overworked yeah, so and they're already job. staying till 11 o'clock at night on Friday nights and Tuesday mm-hmm. nights and Saturday mornings they are getting up. So what they don't want is one more thing that's going to be a thorn in their side. Mm-hmm. And so what I tried to do when I was at East was run it better than the other programs, uh, do community service for the school, mm-hmm. uh, work mm-hmm. concession stands, go clean up, have the kids go clean up, help the custodial staff clean up the stands. Um, new new teams, new coaches will have to give a little bit before they get back. Mm-hmm. But once they see the positive effect mm-hmm. on that school community that, that the new rugby team is going to have, now that it'll start to open. And a great resource is Brad Lewis at Bondurant. Mm-hmm. He has got so many good things going there he's you know he's an assistant on the football team and now the head football coach loves the rugby team and since the rugby team has popped in their numbers are up in football their numbers are up in track because guess who goes and works at the track meets the rugby kids do Mm -hmm. and they go work the youth stuff the youth football and and things like that and uh brad will tell you uh the year before they brought rugby in they had missed like 80 some tackles in their football team Man. The year after, after teaching rugby tackling, one, he wow. tracked, he went back, tracked all the stats. Wow. Yeah. And so now he's been talking with the Norwalk coach. There's been uh, Norwalk seeing some, some um, players being recruited out. Mm-hmm. And so they want to keep, they want to try to keep their homegrown players in. And so, you know, the key to that is then going to that culture, that climate of, of that rugby team is, mm-hmm. You know, you got to make it fun. You got to hold them accountable, but you can't coach them like '90s coaches. Like, yeah. like, well, you guys, I don't know. You guys are like millennials, right? Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so a Gen Xer, you can't, you can't yell at them like I got yelled at. Yeah. What you have to do is, you yell at the whole group. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and, and 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 you can't be mean about it. It's just got to be a, it's got to be a just a, a yell. You, it's you're a just, stern voice, but yeah. it's not direct. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's not, it's not pointed at anyone. It's just a, a very stern. It's in general. In general, yeah. That's really so, funny that you bring that up, though, because it's like we've talked about like how the like landscape of like coaching rugby and stuff like that is like ever changing. So that's really interesting. You say you can't coach them like they would have been coaching in the 90s or probably even like when we played. Mm-hmm. You know, it's got to be a little bit different approach. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't want to get yelled at by anyone either. So yeah. for yeah. me, it's, it's like, all right, let's problem solve. Video was great. Like if you can just have a video, you can just have like a JV kid or your eight-year-old son recording <laughs> the field for you. Like, yeah. like the players react a lot to video because now they can see like, mm-hmm. oh, that's what you're talking about, yeah. that sort of thing. But I know that's hard to do in practice. It's just mm-hmm. one more thing you got to set up and, yeah. and things like that. But really coming back to the culture of the team and doing things together. Uh, at East, we did Thursday night uh, game uh, team dinners. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, we would fundraise a lot. I, I, I had t-shirts that I, we sold to the public. We usually made a few hundred bucks off of that. We'd sold Casey's cards and high V cards and, uh, memberships to discount clubs and stuff like that. And we always did fairly well, like a couple thousand mm-hmm. bucks in the, in nice. the bank. And we would rival Sally's Polk and, you know, two different realities there. Yeah. Uh, but we, we, we had new uniforms and mm-hmm. we had, ton, we had always, good kits and lots of pads and tackle. I mean, we had it, had it all. And so it can be done. It mm-hmm. takes a little bit of effort, yeah. but it's, 
it's not really that bad. Like if you got a couple guys to help you coach, like, all right, you, you be in charge of this, you be in charge of this. And then now you've got parents, bring them in. And it's like, all right, I need someone to be my information guru. I need someone to be my social media guru. I need someone to handle money. Um, Carpooling. And also I didn't plan a single banquet ever. The parents were like, what do you need? We'll do this, this, and this. And I was just like, I love you all. Thank you so much. Cause like that stuff, I hated planning. And they're like, we got it. And then carpools, they're like, I can fit three here. I can fit three here. And it was just one of the, like finding people to take things off your plate who want to do it. Cause mm. you know how it is with the men's team. When I ask, Hey, who can do this? And weird, our phones all stop working. Except mine. I yeah. usually volunteer. Yeah, you show up. So, with that, for a while we were just, you know, I was just covering the meals for a team mm-hmm. and we'd go to Buffalo Wings, we'd go pizza, we'd do this. And the kids mm-hmm. are like, can we just do a potluck after a while? And so after a while, then it would be at a park. It would be in yeah. my classroom. And when I wasn't teaching at East, it'd be at my other classroom. And moms were making huge platefuls of fried rice and crab rice. I mean, we had yeah. we had a great team. We had Latinos and and Asian kids and white kids and black. I mean, they all brought something that mm-hmm. was yeah. from their culture, and that yeah. was really cool because everyone's like, we ate like kings. Yeah. And so uh, that that's what made us all mm-hmm. tight. And you know, we we were somewhat successful i don't think anybody really liked to play us but you know we were going to be tough but mm-hmm. we just uh missed a little bit of speed on the outside or mm-hmm. or something like that but i think that's you know really focusing on that the community part the mm-hmm. culture of your team a positive culture and makes it fun yeah, yeah. um and yeah like you said it you want to create a culture and a place where kids want to be i mean you want to be there too because again it's volunteer like you're there because you're enjoying it and you want it to be a place that kids go where they feel safe, they feel valued, and then they're having fun. They they are choosing to be there after school instead of a part-time job, instead of track, instead of whatever other distractions they can get involved in. And, mm-hmm. and like our kids can get involved into a lot of stuff and it's a good place for them to be. Um, I also think too, kind of talking about with football, I like what the new East football coach is doing as well. And I feel like to just, I don't know, you get these sports programs and like football teams, track teams to see in wrestling that rugby isn't competing. It complements their mm-hmm. sport. You know, it's like, I'm not taking your kid away. I'm giving your kid extra practice in the off season. Let's work together. And I feel like he's going to be a coach that hopefully can see the value in that. And then, cause he's really bumping up his numbers. He's been doing a bunch of stuff on social media. And I don't know. I just, I had a lot of those kids in class in middle school and I had them in wrestling. And I just, hope to see them buy into this and then it carries over into wrestling carries over into rugby so well i coached with both of those guys when i was coaching uh freshman football they they were sophomore coaches gotcha uh so i know them well i'm I'm glad to hear that i haven't i wanted them to you know get their feet oh yeah on the ground before i go hitting them up about (laughs) hey hey, let's work together you know because we got Mm -hmm. you know we we need some help when it comes to to rugby side of things too but i i remember you know recruiting for football from rugby and we got yeah. guys that never went out for football before but after they played in rugby mm-hmm. they went and did it so yeah um yeah i think i think some of the mindset when it comes to sports programs and in schools i think uh, can change and it is changing i think mm-hmm. it all comes to mm-hmm. uh i think sometimes control mm-hmm. like I'm in control of this. I can affect this. And so, you know, we're creatures of habit. We don't like to give right. up control. So mm-hmm. that's, that's a tough thing to do. Right. So I think, uh, as, as time goes, 
and it's still going to take a while. We're in our 12th year. Mm -hmm. uh, I have a family member who was on the ground floor of getting bowling a sanctioned sport, and it took 20 years. Wow. So soccer, look how long it took soccer. And then like girls wrestling too. I mean, Iowa is known as one of the top wrestling states in the country, yet we were behind. We were behind every other state. I mean, there was, I think, 12 or 15 other states that sanctioned wrestling before Iowa. And a lot of people like on Twitter nationally were like, what is Iowa doing? Yeah. Like they're the place to be for wrestling mm -hmm. and they don't have girls wrestling, but yet we had really strong numbers and then they finally did it. So that's the thing too. Like we, I feel like. Well, what people don't understand with sanctioning is mm -hmm. it takes a certain number of schools to request right. it. Yeah. yeah. And usually the magic number is at least 50. Mm -hmm. was, and and to think about that is. Do we have 50 coaches? Right. And, <laughs> and the, just think of the structure and the system that wrestling has in place. Mm -hmm. And it still took them that long to get it going. Right. And we had nothing. We had 50 players in rugby in 2009. Yeah. Right. And pre-COVID, we had 670 some, yeah. 75. Yeah. And I feel like, do you feel like numbers are kind of bouncing back up? COVID, it really, I mean, the league felt like it was trending upward. Things were growing. Uh, we were getting rugby in new places that it hadn't been before. And then COVID happens. And then it kind of, I mean, all sports. I feel like it's been hard to get kids out for all sports across the board. Um, nationally, we're seeing that trend. Yeah. But especially here locally, we saw some teams take a step back. Um, people, you know, reorganize a little bit. How how do you feel going into this upcoming season? Do you feel like the growth is going to come back? Are people coming? Uh, I think we'll see a little bit of growth. I don't know that we're going to see a huge bump, mm -hmm. mainly because I think uh, – we're at a critical mass of adults that mm -hmm. want to do coaching and refereeing and things mm -hmm. like that. Uh, it's just getting more and more challenging. And uh, that's the nature of youth sports these days. Mm -hmm. And so to talk about coaching and kind of that retention of coaching, and you talked about it earlier with, you know, all the coaches in the league, they want to see growth in the league. They want to see people stay. No one is like withholding everything. People are sharing information. The league has had before like a coaches summit where you brought in like the strength and conditioning uh, coach from Urbandale. You brought in different coaches from other sports to give kind of some psychology. You've brought in coaches from the league to kind of give some tips. I remember my first year I went to this um, years ago, you brought in Tom Billups from Cal. A lot of different people have spoke. I, I think Cope, Brent Wheeler, he's talked and just how he's maintained his program and then also game planning as well. Is that something now past COVID looking to do that again, to get some new coaches, some more confidence and to just, again, share the wealth, share the knowledge. Yeah. You know, COVID definitely put a, a pause on things. Like I say, 2019, we finished uh, 475 boys and uh, 175 girls. Wow. Uh, we were planning in 2020, if you remember, I, we were, going to split into three classes yep and we we're playing on 32 boys teams around the state yeah and we were playing on like 13 14 girls teams and then we had we had shut down we just being such a small organization we couldn't we couldn't put mm. we didn't know like everyone yeah. like the whole world we didn't know Nobody what was going to happen yeah and so you, you always want to play it safe on things like that I feel like you had to be, I remember some of those conversations, it was almost like you had to have extra caution because it was yeah. such a small league, because it wasn't as closely tied to the schools as other sports. So it was like, 
we don't want to step and cross a line that we can't come back from while right. no one in the world knows what's going on. We don't want to be the one organization that yeah. oversteps or put kids and adults at risk right. because it was on none. Yeah. And you, you look at all the other situations where organizations have put themselves in jeopardy, whether it was gymnastics mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever with, with the youth abuse and things like yeah. that. Like, mm-hmm. like that's why we're very careful. We're coaches got to be safe sport certified. They've got to, uh, they've got to be background check and the, mm-hmm. those sorts of things. Cause you know, people did bad things. Mm-hmm. And so as an organization, you know, insurance liabilities and things like that, we mm-hmm. can't knowingly put somebody at risk. Right. So, you know, going on from there and educating our coaches when it comes to, to things like that is, is one of our most important functions and doing things like the sports summit, mm-hmm. which was, the week before we got all got shut down from COVID, yeah. we, we, had, okay. we had Tex McGilkin from Power Athlete come up yeah. from Texas. We had uh, a guy from po- uh, Proactive Coaching come up, mm-hmm. uh, and Alex Badger did some great things. Like everybody's writing stuff down. You know, it was I had great. Like a, I had like oh, yeah. pages and pages. So positive. Like I bought every one of their booklets. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Oh, there uh, was uh, there was someone who talked about how to make your club a nonprofit, which seems like one of the hardest things for all clubs to oh, figure yeah. out is that nonprofit process. Yeah, that was we, a big one too. Yeah. We have a, we have our accountant advisor. Mm-hmm. Yep. So uh, we want to get back to doing more things like that. It's just taking mm-hmm. uh, a bit of time again, you know, there's six or seven of us that are really doing that work. Yeah. And in truth, we're, we're all stretched in and burn out mm-hmm. and adding kids and, mm-hmm. you know, doing lots of other things. And so we, we definitely need more help and mm-hmm. our doors are open and, if you have a specific skill set, like we mm. we want to we want to use your skill set and and do the best we can. And I think that's something too, like almost a call to action to people who are listening right now that many people might not be aware of is that the Iowa Youth Rugby Association, you know, it is a handful of the same people for boys and girls, and it has been for years. And that's the thing too; you want to invite people in. You've created this matrix web of different um, duties or positions Mm -hmm. where basically, you know, people have strengths in certain areas and there's a need because right now it's six people doing 50 different things. You've kind of categorized, I I just threw 50 out there, but it's a lot. (laughs) You've created this web of like, here's all these different jobs we have to do to make sure this league is run successfully. And it's one of those things where, you know, can't half-ass two things you need the whole ass one thing well you guys are 50 ass and everything because <laughs> like that's and, but you're doing it and yeah. and if you look at the level of play on the field it is rising yeah. but you also think how much further could this league go if we did have some more adults who care about rugby who you know you don't have to be a coach you don't have to be like the type of admin they think you know it could be one specific thing scheduling just one person does scheduling one person does social media one you know, fundraising, things like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you want to talk about that little matrix and maybe a little call to action and to anybody who's listening? I mean, we talked about it with Adam Falk. Yeah. Any part of rugby, it's not just players. Mm. We need people to support in every type of role. Yeah. We just need bodies, adult bodies who care and are yeah, also... Refs, players, coaches, fans, the yeah. whole shebang. Everything. And then just 
Yeah, make sure you can pass a background check too, because you're working with kids. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, if you're involved with the high school, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, men's league, do whatever you yeah, want. Yeah, men's league, yeah, whatever. <laughs> no, no, no. Man. Yeah, I would uh, say yeah, I would say anybody that's listening that cares about the growth of rugby in Iowa, you're gonna get the most growth at the youth level. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, club did really well for a long time, faltered, and now I think it's starting to make a good comeback. And look who's filling those ranks here. You've got players that played youth high school or youth and high school. Mm-hmm. And so we really need to push down to our middle schools. Mm-hmm. We need to push down into uh, first grade on up and just doing simple things like talk to your, your local parks and rec mm-hmm. uh, or talk to us. We can help facilitate that. Uh, that's one avenue. And I encourage you to do it through an organization. Don't do it on your own because now you're, liable yes. or liable for any accidents that happen plus mm-hmm. we can ensure that volunteers are background checked the parks and rec do a back, background check and make sure they get the right adults working with the kids so that's that's where we've really started to make our push and ryan in your new position we're working on des moines middle schools and, mm-hmm. and i still think we're going to be body short on that but we'll yeah. have to figure something out but you know that's that's our next push mm-hmm. um as far as roles and responsibilities, we have the executive director, and that's Dennis Oliver, and he he's our liaison between USA Rugby, mm-hmm. and uh, he does more of the registration side of things. And then we have uh, myself, who does the website stuff. I kind of I'm more of a project manager. That's kind of what I'm good at from the construction management, engineering side of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking five, ten years down the road, but also immediate things and making sure we're getting our task done. And then we're uh, we've got finance, which is Matt Wilson, uh, making sure we stay afloat. A few years ago, we were we were deep in the red. Mm-hmm. Uh, we financed a youth development director position that didn't pan out and ended mm-hmm. badly, and we were in the red. Almost didn't exist. And so wow. that's in the end, that's why we had to raise fees mm-hmm. uh, for a couple of years to recover from that. We got to buy trophies mm-hmm. <laughs> and things yeah, like yeah. that too. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're, we're actually positive news. We're going to be able to lower the registration fee for kids again. All right. All right. Our goal is to not be an affluent sport. We yeah. want to have as much access as we possibly can uh, for our players. And hopefully we can drive that down further. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're really working hard on that. Um, I think that's really good for people to hear. Because, yeah. again, I think people don't hear directly from you often or and if they do maybe it's not always like the best it might be like you know a match happened and it's like oh disciplinary no oh, um, yes another investigation i gotta yeah. do no so but to hear Two, like this sounds like 2021 and, and like worst year ever just people are really excited to get back onto the field and kind of forgot how to act on the sideline but no all jokes aside um really looking at you know people see like the dues and I know this from like the men's side too. You just see that number and like, it's really easy to turn your brain off and be like, why is that number, this number, it should be lower. You don't think of all the things. And then to also hear like, there's a reason for it, you know, liability insurance, USA rugby, that takes a huge chunk of it. And then also to run this league, that's where the money comes from. And then also there's other things like the league was in a bad place. So you had to make that money up. And that, like you guys are actively trying to bring that number down. I, like, I feel like that's something people that they don't know that. Yeah. So that's I, good to, to hear. Well, and I think we've tried to say it before, but mm-hmm. 
not enough people maybe show up to those meetings right because we do say it a lot in, in those yeah. mm -hmm. but there's also six people on the phone call and yeah. it's the same six people so, yeah. probably every time yeah. so you know our structure the way it started out is we tried to finance or or budget everything through gate proceeds so we'd hold a tournament at this school and uh you paid five bucks to get in we we charged what 55 bucks at that time i think for mm -hmm. players uh, which is the cheapest. We're still the cheapest in the entire country. I yeah. Think. Right. Um, but now what happened was, you know, all, everything has to be paid out of that, that gate fee. Mm -hmm. So referees have to be paid. Medical has to be paid. If the school requires uh, payment for their use of the fields mm -hmm. has to be paid out of all that. Everything has to come out of that, that admission. So we wanted the host school since they do, did the work to, to gain the proceeds from that. Right. Mm -hmm. But, what happens when it's rainy? Right. Yeah. They lose money. And for two straight years, we had really bad weather. We yeah. were in the red just from that. We couldn't cover costs. Yeah. And so then we had to raise fees uh, to, to do that. And we almost weren't able to buy trophies one year. So mm -hmm. we had to go up a little bit higher. And well, that's even like we hosted Roosevelt Girls. We hosted at the Des Moines Rugby Fields. And great fields. One of the best facility ever. But there's not a fence or a border. Yep. So essentially, people who sneak in for free are raising the price of the, the game for fee. the kids. The yeah. kids have to pay a higher fee to play yeah. because you sneak in because you don't want to pay the five bucks. The five bucks. Now yeah. the kid has to pay extra. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, we're dinging the parents the most because they're paying the registration. Yeah, yeah. And they're, and yeah. They're... yeah but still, like, you, never, you never want it to be the reason for a kid to not come out and play yeah. rugby is because of money. Because like, right. that's our philosophy with our club team is like we want to keep the cost as low as possible so somebody's not deterred from playing with us because and that's, of money. That's why fundraising is so important as a team because, mm -hmm. you know, at East, if a kid couldn't cover it, uh, we'll cover it for you, but you're going to come do some yard work for somebody. Right. Right. Yep. You're yeah. working. You're going to get to play, but you have to make it up. Yep. And so uh, that stuff's important. Mm -hmm. But I think we raise our fees. Included in those fees, now we're able to to pay medical for every tournament. And mm -hmm. if you look at it on a spring, three different sites, you're looking at 40 bucks an hour for medical. That was a contract. I'm sure it's going to go up. But, um, you know, if it's a three-hour tournament, it's 120 bucks. That's $360 for one Friday night just for medical. Mm -hmm. If, times five and then yeah. six. if we don't want any, you know, if we want to pay refs are even more expensive. I mean, refs are 40 bucks a match. Yeah. So uh, you're looking at 120 bucks an hour for referees if they're all certified. Ugh. So over three, over three different tournaments. And mm -hmm. then Valley, I think wants 275 bucks. Yep. Uh, for the field. For the field that. use. Yep. Now I was fortunate at East. They, they never charged me for anything. I hosted state tournament there for six straight years and mm -hmm. we would clear 2000 bucks every time yeah. paying, didn't ask for anything. paying all the fee, paying all the fields. Actually the sound system at East was half paid for by the rugby rugby team. Wow. Yeah. Oh, didn't know that. We gave money back for a few years and then they're like, yeah, don't <laughs> keep, keep, keep it. So there's a lot that goes into it. And then of course adults do uh, sometimes, uh, behave poorly so then now we got to have insurance coverage for the league separate yeah. from what players get uh, in case there's a lawsuit or something like that right so that costs now you got uh thousand dollars for website management and registration fees and then you got mm -hmm. uh trophies and balls and 
we we'd have a new ball kit and and bag that we sent new teams so we got to have those ahead of time and so you know that's where a lot of the money went to Mm -hmm. and we found it's harder to get people to do things so we decided we're going to pay people to do specific Mm -hmm. tasks so if you're doing all the scheduling we're going to pay a little bit for it now it's not much i think your hourly rate almost approaches what our teachers do at some point like Mm -hmm. five bucks an hour right right so or even less but um it was still some sort of compensation, some, just a little yeah. bit. Because you're spending, yeah. you're spending. When I did schedule for a couple of years, I was spent when I was doing that schedule. It was on top of my job, mm-hmm. another twenty to forty hours per week trying to get it done. And then I got to put it on the website. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a lot that goes into that. But I'm hoping with a conversation with with the coaches in the league again is mm-hmm. how can we keep lowering the cost for our players? Do we have to go back to maybe a bit of a more of a model where entrance fees cover that a little bit more. Mm -hmm. I don't know. The only other way is, you know, if it is a sanctioned sport, now you got taxpayer supported funding Mm -hmm. for coaches where maybe like Des Moines schools, they pay for kids to play. They don't, I don't think Des Moines kids pay anything to play sport. Right. Right. They just, I think in middle school, they might pay like 10 bucks to play like, you know, what's it, what's it like at a suburban school at a rural school? I remember, it was like 50 bucks for me to play. Mm-hmm. I don't think I paid a single dollar going to North Polk to play yeah. football. I don't remember. Honestly. I don't think I paid a single. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But the, the finances, people don't realize yeah. like the finances of a school, they're not mm-hmm. infinite. They're getting less and less. Exactly. Yeah. The football team pretty much pays for all the other sports. Mm-hmm. The yeah. other sports is entrance fees just goes to cover some of the costs. Yeah. I think maybe there's a few girls basketball teams a lot of boys basketball teams. I don't know of wrestling teams that cover costs. Those aren't normally packed. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's all mm-hmm. put into one big pot just to be able to, to have all those sports and things like that. So mm-hmm. it's when you start adding teams and yeah. sports, how, how's the school do it? So, yeah. Right. Um, and then I guess going back to that matrix too, oh, was, yeah. there, was there some other uh, <clears throat> positions or things that you're looking yeah, for? Yeah. So like Brent Piper, he's our mm-hmm. our director of coaches. So he does like a lot of the onboarding for new, new coaches. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then his wife, Amber is our, basically our executive assistant. She's kind of keep organizing things. Mm-hmm. And uh, Debbie McKittrick, she's our girls uh, coach association director. And then Patrick Lawson is the boys side of things. Mm-hmm. And so that's our, our, our board. Uh, but underneath that, we're, we're kind of responsible for different areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, someone might be more responsible for a tur- you know, a tournament committee, mm-hmm. uh, HP committee, uh, scheduling youth development. We're looking for, we, we need a youth development director, someone who can kind of, kind of organize and things like parks and rec youth kids and middle school stuff like mm-hmm. that. We need someone that, that wouldn't mind getting into that, but yeah, there's specific jobs, you know, mm-hmm. um, scheduling. I don't, like our current tournament format i i want it to be rugby i want it to be different than other tournaments than mm-hmm. other sports it still needs to be rugby but it it's got to be a blend right uh we try to model how the high school associations run their business mm-hmm. but we're rugby we're different we want it to be different we want it to be a blend we want to be mm-hmm. unique yeah and so i would like for us to take a look at our class system i don't know that we need classes mm-hmm. in in rugby uh, I think you look at some of those 1A teams, they're going to beat most of the 2A teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Um, there's some two A teams that really struggled that should probably re- be relegated to yeah. uh, down a little bit. So, you know, looking at things like that, and then helping us with schedules to minimize travel. We we don't want teams to travel that much, but mm-hmm. guess what? It's a club sport. You're gonna if you're say Decor. I think almost had a girls team. Well, Decor is three hours up there. It's, yeah, it's you're, there's no you're gonna travel an hour and a half no matter what. Yes, just like Crestwood does. Yep. Um, there's talk of some Council Bluffs area uh, uh, teams joining us. Ooh. Um, Ooh, cool. uh, we've talked to uh, Davenport, uh, Muscatine, Clinton. I saw Davenport just posted something on Facebook about a girls rugby. Is that without youth rugby or are yeah. they just? Well, I think they may try to do something in their area first, but mm-hmm. they, they want to compete for a championship. So yeah. you can't compete for an Iowa championship unless you're in our league. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Right. I, did. I wasn't sure what their goal is that they're pretty young um, how about making things happen over yeah. there. I didn't know if they were going to do yeah, the like, city thing. or They were kind of doing the Illinois mm-hmm. side of things just because yeah. they're closer, but. You know, any new teams that are kind of out in the middle of nowhere, you're going to travel. Mm-hmm. We, we want to host at least one event at your school. Right. Um, but, you know, that comes, you're going to travel. <laughs> but and, but with that, though, if you can show that you're having success, other teams are going to pop up. I feel like that Cedar Valley area, you know, you have Waterloo, Columbus, mm-hmm. Denver, uh, Cedar Falls. Yep. Uh, you're you're starting to see more Waverly, more of these clubs mm-hmm. that are in that area. Where now it's like, okay, they're out there. Well, are they? I mean, they have their own site essentially, like yeah. where everybody just travels 15, 20 minutes, and they're all there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's like over time, are we going to see like a Charles City, New Hampton pop up? That's right in that little corridor. Yeah, that'd be I mean, cool. There's all these spots where maybe you know we could see some Mississippi River teams kind of pop up. Uh, near those men's clubs that are up and down there, and, and I look, I look at where I grew up in the Fort Dodge area, mm-hmm. and Fort Dodge should have a girls' team this mm-hmm. this spring, this fall. Yeah, uh, I think we had our first Manson boys player mm-hmm. was with the Fort Dodge team, uh, but three A schools like Humboldt and Webster City, and, right. and uh, Algona, uh, Algona, mm-hmm. South Central Calhoun, uh, Manson, they should they should be able to fill the team. Right. Yeah. I think it's just changing hearts and minds a little bit. Yeah. And that's where I my first men's league experience was actually with Gopher College in Algona. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of dudes up there who love rugby and care about it. They're up in that area. I know one of the guys, um, Adam Gish, Adam, is, yeah. uh, Hydro was his nickname. He mm-hmm. coaches girls basketball at Spirit Lake. And it's just like, oh, dude. like, And I've sent him messages before like, when are you going to start a team up there? Boys, girls, doesn't matter. Like, you got Fort Dodge up there. Like, make it happen, man. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, we'll get to it. And so I don't know if it's like, a confidence thing or people just know that it is a lot of work early but once you get that ball rolling and again there's people who are here like you're saying right now like if you have questions get a hold of you get a hold of other coaches yeah. um i know tom mcclyman up in the Fort dodge area he's not going to be coaching the girls team but he'll be there assisting because yeah. i think it's going to be grace and joe lippert that are yeah. kind of running that team and it's just like oh, is that really i thought it was tom at first but that'd be really he's cool. doing yeah. he's doing football he still yeah. coaches football, but Grace, I mean, she played high, high level, oh, yeah, yeah, of rugby for women's. And we want we want more women run, mm-hmm. running the women's league. Yeah. I mean, well, we... This year, too, yeah. how cool is this? Roosevelt is going to have Annie Myers from the Des Moines women's team. Mm-hmm. Uh, East has Mallory Hammett from the Des Moines yep. women's team. And Valley has Megan Nelson yeah. from the Des Moines women's team. Three brand new head coaches, all women, 
all on a local club, mm -hmm. they're going to have more club members come and help them. I mean, so that right there with Fort Dodge as well, that's four head coaches who are women. And then Ankeny has Debbie. Mm -hmm. uh, trying to think if there's any other out there. I mean, Kelsey was always involved with Southeast Polk, but now she's at Iowa State. Yep. Uh, it's cool to see more women coaching women programs yeah. mm -hmm. and seeing like, you know, that representation and also these girls, these women, they've played high level. They're still playing high level. Mm -hmm. um, that'll be cool. I'm really interested to see how the girls are going to respond to that. And just, mm -hmm. I'm excited for this year to see, especially mm -hmm. like three teams in the Metro, all first year women coaches. Yeah. yeah. And providing them with good mentorship is, mm -hmm. is the key. Um, mm -hmm. And I think they're, they'll all have a good, mm -hmm. strong support structure system mm -hmm. in place. So that's, yeah. That's that's gonna be the key. Because I know Andrew Ridgeway is helping at Valley. Yep. Like he's gonna help the like admin I mean, stuff. Yeah, he's gonna try to help set up like the home matches, mm -hmm. so like she doesn't have to worry about any of that. And then like I'm gonna try to help with Roosevelt as well to make sure you know. I, I know the AD. I talked to him uh, this summer, and uh, he uh, at Roosevelt, and mm -hmm. he says, you know, we we gotta do much better for our club. So I think he's very open to it. So Z uh, right. Xander's, yeah, I. Uh, a lot of a lot of emails between me and him because like, i just always reminded him like hey we have this girl going to play varsity rugby can yeah. she do a signing hey we're doing this can can we get just a little more exposure so then that way well if you, you know, look at just the kids that are going mm -hmm. on to do rugby things after high school coming out of our yeah. schools like the, oh, the yeah. percentage is high it's higher than other sports right oh like, yeah my last east team we had three boys that mm -hmm. went to wayne state mm -hmm. i mean it's crazy and oh, uh what's his face Bobby. yeah he comes yeah, yeah, he's he's like playing. Is he going to be on like Javi Joe and uh, Joe Dow? I think he's going to mm -hmm. get into refing. So nice, Javi. Yeah, Javi's on a, some pathways. Isn't he going out to uh, Colorado? Yeah, he's like on a U twenty three age yeah. grade, like USA pathway yeah. um, that he got selected from Wayne State. They all went to Wayne State yeah, together. Yeah. And, yeah, they came up to a couple of our practices to like for touch and stuff like that. They're, they played they're sevens with us last they played summer. Seven. Yeah, that's yeah. true too. Great, yeah. ki great kids too. Yeah. Great yeah. kids. And then, like, like Roosevelt, I mean, I got a girl All going girls to Aquinas, a girl going to Kent State, a girl down at Linwood. I mean, they just they find a passion for it. And mm -hmm. I guess as someone who's been involved with the league for as long as you have, and to see the growth, we've talked off the field, the structure and growth. How about on the field? Like, what does that feel like as someone who has been a coach, an admin? Like, what are your thoughts of the level of play? What makes you pumped? What do you want to see? Just – yeah, how are the kids doing? Well, I, I you look at the style of play too. Like early on, it was bruising. It was let's take 15's knowledge and jam it into a sevens game. <laughs> yep. mm -hmm. And I actually don't think I love sevens because mm -hmm. the wide open, the scoring. Watching 15 sometimes drives me crazy. <laughs> but I thought, you know, if I think, I actually think tens would be perfect for for us because then you get some big kids involved. You get some huh. speedy well, kids. That's that's actually an interesting take. Nobody's ever mentioned doing. Tens, I didn't right? know that was allowed. I mean, it's either you can no, play yeah. any number that you want. If you got four guys, you can play. My, my brain is just like that's, oh, that's actually that seems, yeah. the touch Ooh. touch rugby nights mm -hmm. at the Morning Rugby Club. You know, if there's eight people that show up, we're going to play four and four on a right. small field. But yeah, yeah, I think tens would actually be perfect for us. Mm -hmm. And you know, there's always argument. Well, that's not real rugby or whatever. Fifteens mm -hmm. is real. Well. All right, you look at people up at the top, you look at the coaches and the players, you look at what our kids are developing, mm -hmm. the footwork, catching the ball. How many times have you, you know, your guys out the wing then drop the ball and you're like, oh. Or catch it. Yeah. And stop their feet. Yeah. 
replant their feet yeah. and then start running and you're just like you killed all the momentum yeah you're not seeing that as much so but that. you also see strategy mm-hmm. coming into play on the sevens game that now i think shortens the learning curve when it goes to 15s mm-hmm. yeah so i think it feeds well like paul emmerich said sevens is perfect for for mm-hmm. development uh moving on moving up into the system and that's like you if you look at the university of northern iowa this last year they're a top four team in the nation for yep. d2 uh, 15s, the only non-varsity club in the top four, 11 players were freshmen, Iowa Youth Rugby Association players, yeah. and we're talking forwards. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not yeah. 11 backline guys. Those are forwards who have ball skill. Because yeah. if you think of like guys who are, they play against teams in Illinois, Wisconsin, Minnesota, they all play 15s. Mm-hmm. Those pack players, those props, those locks, those flankers, they're not getting the ball skill, yeah. the open space skill. We have props and locks who are running like a center because that's what they play. And you're seeing the success at the next level. And I think if anybody ever doubts, like, you know, sevens isn't real rugby, they're not going to be successful in college. Look at you and I, Mm -hmm. look at Iowa state, look at Iowa central, and then come back to me and say, it's not going to work. And you need to come to a Friday or Monday night in Iowa and see what it's really like. Cause you're going to see really good rugby Mm -hmm. and uh, you know, looking 11, 12 years ago, bruising game. We didn't allow lifting uh, just because we didn't think we could coach it safe enough yet. Yeah. Uh, we didn't have the conversion kick because we played at some fields that didn't have posts. Yeah. Mm. We played in city parks. I remember yeah. I was <laughs> helping coach Lincoln girls, and we would go to that valley. It was just an open patch of grass, that valley. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, yeah, yep. no conversions because yep. we like we just put – paint in the middle of this yep. patch of grass and it worked we made yeah. it work and so then after a while we're like well we're going to put the we're going to put the conversions in that's why we only play at high school stadiums mm-hmm. is because they have posts they have lights they have gates mm-hmm. yeah. we can control car- the crowd we can collect a, a fee um you know when we play say like at fort dodge on at crimmins field mm-hmm. they don't have lights oh that's so stressful to make a schedule for because yeah, then you got yeah. waverly coming two hours from over and you mm-hmm. got to try to get the closest teams there because yeah. you got to be done by 7 30. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh you're gonna see really good rugby. And I, I think you look at like the the, the freest game, Sally's Polk plays the, the most freest mm-hmm. open, you know, get the pass out quick. They play the way Tom Billups wants sevens played, mm-hmm. move it side to side, and then the defense is gonna make a mistake, and then you're mm-hmm. gonna go score. Mm-hmm. Then you got you got like Waverly that they're bruiser. Like they're, oh, yeah. they're, they're they love to ruck. Go figure their coaches, right? Yeah. Uh, they love to ruck. They're going to get the ball, and then it's like, boom, break through the line and go, right? Yeah. It's almost like they t- they wear teams down in the breakdown. Yep. yep. And then when a team commits two into the counter ruck, yep. they're like, cool, now we have our overlook. And then, yep. like, like Ankeny this year, they what they play seven or eight guys yeah. the whole time. And they, mm-hmm. I'm surprised. I, I didn't, they were so athletic. Yeah. And it's, it wasn't always the clean ball out of that out of that that club, right? It's so there's a lot of different styles. And with the girls, when they first started out, it was catch the ball, get tackled, catch the ball, get tackled, catch the ball, get get tackled. And sometimes it was hard to watch, but now they're figuring out. They're like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to pass this early. I'm going to step around this gal and run and run. And and now it's a, it's definitely the the learning curve is shorter. It doesn't take so long during the season yep. to to learn the game and. By the end of the season, you, you guys have commented before watching that state tournament. That was, a, that was uh, the best one yet. That's wow. it's just crazy good, crazy good stuff. And I wish I could have been there. I was up running the one a one up in oh, Cresco. Yep. Uh, Great yep. place to hold tournament. Oh my goodness! Yeah. 
Great field. That was a pretty good state championship match too, though. Between was it Bondurant and uh, was it Waterloo? Yeah, Christian? third straight. Waterloo Columbus, yeah, third third straight one. I, I thought I was streaming it, but I didn't hit one more button. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Gen, I'm a Gen Xer. I know most of the things, right? So uh, we want, and ideally, we want the tournament all at one place. Yeah. Even if it takes two days, we're toying with that oh, too. Like, can cool. we hold it at the Unidome at some point? Yeah, that would have been sweet to play at the UNI Dome because uh, the Uni Dome. Otherwise, the UNI Dome. UNI Dome, Uni Dome. I'm going to cut that part out. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I really like the idea, though, of like having a possible like two day tournament out of that, though, like a 1A or a class 1A, class 2A, like on different days. I think that would be really interesting. So, Going back to my idea of getting rid of classes, like if people out there are good at this and have an idea about how to do this, so it puts makes rugby different. We don't need to be like basketball. We don't need to be like wrestling. We don't need to be like football. Mm-hmm. We need to be rugby. We just have to kind of run our organization like an associ- like the sports associations do, mm-hmm. but we want to be unique. And so mm-hmm. we're open ideas. So one idea we had was, well, can we run – girls state tournament at the Unidome. Do it on a Friday night and then Saturday. Mm. And the Unidome is expensive. Yeah. Cedar, Fall, Cedar Falls Visitor Bureau is being great, really mm. working and getting that price down for us. It all comes down to how many people can we get there. Uh, same thing with the boys. When we had 30 some, 32 teams playing for it, we're like, oh my goodness, how mm-hmm. is this going to happen? Yeah. We need a two-day tournament. But mm-hmm. I want all teams to mm. be to be able to uh, compete for a championship. And so previously we had a sub state where all teams had the chance to, mm-hmm. to make it, mm-hmm. but we, we can't have kids play seven matches in one week. Yeah. Right. That's why we play two on a Friday night is because the third one, more injuries happen. Right. Uh, we have the data to back that up. And so maybe we format the season. Maybe, maybe we run a few weeks of the season, see where the teams shake out. Mm-hmm. And then we have a couple different brackets. Like you have a mm. cup championship, you have mm. a challenge I was championship. Just ask you about that, like, like the FA run. Cup and the FA Cup in England. Oh yeah, right. You okay. have the top tier teams; mm-hmm. they compete for something, and then the next tier competes for something, and the lower tier, they're all competing for something. Right. I know we were talking like not like compared to like football or basketball or anything, but like could almost be something where it's like you have like for college basketball, you have like a March Madness, and then the other side's like an NIT mm-hmm. deal. If you want to get rid of classes, you yeah. know. Well, if you look at it, a few years ago, Van Meter mm-hmm. could have, comp- I mean, playing Sally's Polk or Wolf Creek could have played Sally's Polk. I mean, Sally's Polk, yeah. eight years running, right? right. So uh, you look at some of those teams, like it's a big deal to be a small town, small school mm-hmm. to beat a big school. Well, yeah. when DeAndre was coaching Wolf, Wolf Creek, Creek they, they beat Southeast Polk. Yeah. In regular season. In regular yeah. season. It was like their first regular season loss, wasn't now, it? Now, Wheeler's going to Wheeler's gonna say referee and had a little more to do with that than anything. <laughs> yeah, but okay. that, that was an even – anytime it's so evenly matched, like yeah. it's always going to come down to a bad call. But yeah. still, that's – like the idea of classes is you split them because a small school can't compete with a big school. And it's like, no, they did. And this year, too, with Valley, we thought we had some – I mean, we did have some athletes. Well, we played – Denver, we played Bondurant, uh, these 1A schools, and hats off to them, yeah. we got waxed. Well, I mean, Bond- they were they are fantastic <laughs> clubs, and that's the thing. Well, Bondurant, too, had 42 guys on the sideline. Well, it's funny because yeah, Bondurant and Norwalk aren't 1A schools right. if you go by population, and that's kind of how we divided right. it up. Like, mm-hmm. 
we go by their beds count and that's yep. nine through 11th grade. Yep. And I had it all figured out and Waverly wanted to play up mm-hmm. the largest class. So they, but they were actually smaller than Norwalk. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, the smallest one has always been Van Meter. Right. And then what happens with school sharing, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, Waterloo was one that shares. It's, Yes, but people so we're very concerned about um, <laughs> there's there's always a concern <laughs> about that. And here and I'm, I'll put it out there on the mm-hmm. table for everyone listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a we go off of a sharing agreement. Now, mm-hmm. it is the league's policy to benefit the player. Ninety nine percent of the time, it doesn't matter the team. It doesn't matter. We're going to we're going to we want kids to play rugby. We're never going to keep mm-hmm. a kid from playing rugby. Case by case. Yeah. What is it's, best for the kid? Yeah. Yep. So what happens is there's a school sharing policy. So if a if a kid from Dallas Center Grimes wants to play rugby, mm-hmm. they don't have a rugby team yet. Yeah. Well, the next they they have a sharing agreement with Johnston Schools. Johnston had a team for a couple of years. We lost the teacher, lost the team. Mm-hmm. Well, there's no team there. So then it kicks into the next geographically close mm-hmm. team. So there it would be Urbandale Valley, mm-hmm. probably. Um. Mm-hmm. Urbandale didn't have a problem with numbers. Um, I think I'm not sure where Valley stood at that point, mm-hmm. but we do look at relationships as well. Mm-hmm. So two, one of the Norwalk coaches lived in Grimes, mm-hmm. knew the two knew two players that wanted to play. And so for us, Norwalk needed, needed players. They had seven guys mm-hmm. and they were all like underclassmen. Yeah. So, for us, it made sense to make Norwalk a more viable team. So mm-hmm. we are always going to go towards what makes a team more viable. Mm-hmm. And if if East would have needed, we did need it. We, we, we finished season with seven guys, six mm-hmm. and a half guys. Uh, but we would have put them there. So it, it it's all case by case. Mm-hmm. We had one player that went from Bondurant to Sally's Polk, wanted to go back and play rugby with Bondurant. Well, Sally spoke as a team. Mm-hmm. So we, we said no to that. You be an individual, your, your life makes changes. You need to adjust to that. And so what's best for the kids sometimes is telling them no. Yeah. Right. And, uh, we can't entitle everyone right. to what they just want. It's mm-hmm. not the college transfer portal. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm doing whatever I right. want, but it is, you know, your school has rugby. You're going to play there. Yep. Your school doesn't have rugby. Okay. Let's find the best for you because we want you to play. And then also, too, the health of the league. Because yes. if the closest school is Southeast Polk, East could probably use you more than Southeast if he's, Polk. If, they, if they've got 30 guys, yeah. then Wheeler's going to say, I don't need any more guys. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So then we're going to say, well, East, Ankeny mm-hmm. start off real low. Yep. You know, the Ankeny and then Centennial uh, split. Mm-hmm. Um, they had, you know, each team had – one had eight viable players and another one had five. And so mm-hmm. that's why we allowed them to split. And that was preseason. And then mm-hmm. who knew that, you know, they, they had the right mix of kids in the right season right. and they, and they had a, a nice season. So mm-hmm. it's, I, I, I would also, you know, any coaches listening, I really want you to take the balcony view. Like yeah. you got your own team. I get it. I was a coach, mm-hmm. but you know, come up to the, come up to the league level and let's look, across the entire landscape when it comes to decision-making right. and, and doing what's good for the health of the league, because ultimately that's what we're trying to do at the admin level. Mm-hmm. And I think we get, 
a lot of bang for the buck that the kids are spending to play rugby. You get, you know, schedules that are done. You get referees, you get medical. That's all done by the league. We coordinate that. Mm -hmm. You don't have to do any of that, but you take some of our counterparts in surrounding States. They're like, what's our fee go to? Like, Mm -hmm. where's our refs? Where's our medical? They don't, they don't know where anybody's at. And so I think, I think we do it. I'm proud of, you know, being a member of Iowa youth rugby and, Mm -hmm. and organizing it and admitting it. And I think, you know, Minus a few hiccups every year. Right. Yeah. It, it goes off pretty well. Yeah. And as it continues to grow, I mean, you're going to have that. It's it's the nets getting bigger and bigger. And that's mm-hmm. the goal. Um, and it's just, it's hard to be in on all those conversations and answering all those questions. And that's why you need more people at, you know, up top, helping with the, the discussions and helping with, you know, rolling out some of the initiatives and making sure things are run the way the league has intended, you know, as things grow, you want to keep that same mission and yeah. keep that same kind of motto and ethos going. And um, I, I think that's important to get people, you know, on that admin team yeah. to continue this growth. And, uh, and I think just club rugby players too, that I just think there's so many like men's and women's players. And again, super happy that those three women from Des Moines women are coaching. Cause I think mm-hmm. not only is that going to help those programs, those girls are going to see Des Moines rugby and college rugby as a viable option after. Yep. And then, Hey, maybe five, 10 years down the road, those girls are coaching, you know, it's like that. Yep. Uh, what's that movie where with the three and then the three, uh, it's like forward. paying it forward. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It forward. yeah, yeah. That, yep. You know what yep. I mean? Like the exponential growth. And, yeah. and I just think there's so many men's players out there too, that could be great coaches, get out, ask questions, or just tell someone on your team, like, Bill, you're coaching North Hoover. <laughs> or, or just shadow a team. Like, yeah. volunteer, register, volunteer, mm-hmm. get background checked. Yeah. Well, I know, like, the Valley this <laughs> past year, so when Andrew Ridgway wanted to step down because he was having a baby, he's just like, I don't have time, but I can help manage. I can help with the home matches. I can't do the day-to-day. And then I was like, oh, Parker, you would be a great coach. He's like, I don't want to be a head coach. And I was like, okay. I'll be the head coach. Then we get to practice and then I kind of let him mm-hmm. do what he wanted to do. And I was more there as like training wheels and like, you got it. And then this spring I'm going to be hands off. And I'm like, I'm there a phone call away. Maybe I'll show up once a week at a practice, but it's like, you know, he saw how I would do things, but then I kind of let him take over throughout the season. And it's like, there just needs to be more guys willing to take that risk because after two weeks, like I love this. Yeah, yep. this is awesome. And then those kids go play high performance rugby in the summer. They're doing visits to you and I in Iowa, like looking at the college rugby teams, and they're looking forward to playing it after, you know, high school. Yeah, I think I think you look at all those relationships you build over the years, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm most proud of the two guys that took over for me at East. I think mm-hmm. it's important as as an adult or as a head coach or as a manager if you're in a job. You you should be training your replacements. If you want to move up or move out, mm-hmm. you need to find someone to take your position. And I would say that for any coach. If you if you get tired of coaching at Roosevelt, mm-hmm. you're responsible. It's your legacy to keep those girls going, that yep. team going. So you've got to find and recruit someone mm. and train them and allow yourself to move out. Yep. If you just quit it cold turkey, that's mm-hmm. not good for anybody, yeah. right? And that leaves a bad taste. Yeah, you yeah. Know, like, and that's how we've yeah. seen like yeah. Some girls or boys, their coach just leaves and then they're like, I don't like rugby anymore yep. because I got the cold end of this. Yeah. And 
that stinks. And then someone new comes in and it's like, eh, it's not the same. I, like I've already been burned. I'm out. Yeah. Um, so that's why I'm yeah. most proud of like Jordan Bates and Nick Sahel took mm-hmm. over for me. And then Nick started the girls team over there and mm-hmm. did, won a championship and had a couple runners up. And mm-hmm. those guys are great guys. They're good for kids. They're, mm-hmm. they're good. They're, they're just good people. And that's what I'm proud of. And then running into guys that played for me mm-hmm. and you know, that's, they talk about the Thursday nights and mm-hmm. the, running in the mud and the mm-hmm. nicknames everybody got and all that stuff. Yeah. And that's what it all comes back to is, mm-hmm. is those relationships. And, and you can't get that if you don't get involved. Yep. Yeah. And if you're on the fence and you're listening, just contact, contact us, contact a, a coach. We've, I, I need to update some names, yeah. uh, some, the, the webpage a little bit, but uh, find someone in your area. We'll hook you up shadow. Uh, you don't have to do everything. You can just see how it goes mm-hmm. and, be a part of it. That's kind of how I started off. Yeah. And, and if you want, if you have a vision for rugby, right, we're open to that. We want yeah. to hear ideas. We want, we want people to be active and engaged. And mm-hmm. if you love rugby and you're concerned about it and you want to see it grow, we have a place for you. We want to listen. We also have a lot of experience and we've failed at many things and we've had to fix things and yeah, trial and error. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think we've got it down pretty good now. We now know don't make changes mid-season. You know, mm-hmm. if you have an idea, if you've got an idea for a tournament, mm-hmm. we need to hear about it in November for right. the boys. Exactly. Um, if you have an idea for 15s in the summer, we're on board. We're not going to get in the way of that <laughs> as long as coaches are registered, mm-hmm. certified, background check. Anybody over 18 that comes in contact with a youth needs to be that's for their protection yeah. and the, and the kids' protection too. And plenty of time to prep it so it's yep. run properly. Because yep. I feel like there are a lot of good intentions, but everything can get so last minute of like, oh man, summer's coming up. Let's do this. And it's like, love it. Love the idea. Yeah. We don't have a viable plan that's going to be sustainable. Yep. And it, if it's not going to be a good experience for the kids or if it crashes and burns yep. midway through, kids have a bad taste. Yep. It ruins momentum. So that, that's a big thing, too. It's not that, like, those ideas aren't valid. It's just do it sooner so there's time. So start, like, this, the whole point of having you on is, like, yeah. a call to action of, like, <laughs> yeah. start the conversation. Start it with Clint. Start it with any board member. Um, make sure you tell Phil he needs to coach in the spring. <laughs> um, and there's a couple of guys. Episode, I know a couple episode. guys that could actually help that have coaching experience. So former Hoover guys. And uh, I think like, remember Isaac Benton, he coached Wolf. Oh, we know, we know. I think he he, he, he he lives over here. Yeah. Like we want to get him back. Okay. So Isaac, (laughs) I did. Yeah. Yeah. He plays for the Wombats. And we actually all just went up to Northern Iowa for a long weekend. I I feel like he wanted to try to get Van Meter back. Yeah. But like the numbers and the timing and his brother was going to help him. Van Meter's Waukee. We need someone in Waukee. We have people. That want to get Waukee, we need someone at Johnston. We need North. We need Hoover. We need uh, Waukee Northwest. Indianola boys. We need some help. I mean, we've got people mm-hmm. in Indianola that keep the girls team going. Uh, we need we need some support in, in Indianola. So, Mason City was a team that yeah. was there, and I know Mark Wong. He he does so much. Yeah, he needs help. Yeah, you know, yeah. and yeah. and just well, Central Springs is so close. They got the girls team mm-hmm. uh, popping up now. We finally, I think we got a coach for them. Thank nice. goodness. Awesome. Nice. The, uh, Adams uh, Samil. Mm-hmm. Uh, thought he had decor going, but he's had some uh, life changes and mm-hmm. isn't able to get things going. Hopefully, they can get going here soon. But uh, 
Yeah, I mean, it can happen. And we actually think girls will get sanctioned before the boys. Yeah. And it could be in the next few years. Especially yeah. with like Title IX, I feel yeah. like schools are looking for more opportunities for girls. You yeah. see that at college level. And just yeah. the empowerment mm-hmm. that rugby gives girls. I mean, girls yeah. love to tackle. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You yeah. ever watch a powder puff game go wrong? Yeah. Yeah, it's because they <laughs> tackle, right? Well, especially when the girls play for the Roosevelt rugby team and then they go to powder puff and they go, Coach, they kicked us out of the game. We played too hard. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they said we couldn't. They said we couldn't pitch the ball because they were doing like rugby passes in open field and powder puff. And they're like, you can't do that. But technically you can though, as long as it's backwards. Exactly. <laughs> Funny thing, going going back to you and I, I went to school at you and I, um, 90s. So like high school, it's 96. So 97, I got to you and I, I went to mm-hmm. Wayne state in Nebraska in my first year. Okay. So then I got to you and I, and I screwed up. I worked full-time job the uh, whole time I was there. Mm-hmm. So it took a lot of my time. Yeah. And I really regret that. So it's my goal now to make sure my son mm-hmm. is set up where he doesn't have to do that. But um, I was there the same time as Wheeler and right. and, and Paul and, and stuff like that. And, and you had like no idea. You I, never, had no, I had no never idea. Ran into the I had no team. idea. You were never at Suds no. and accidentally ran into it. Which them. is even, even more dumb because I grew up, uh, one of my really good friends in, in Rockwell City, his sister, older sister, married a guy by the name of Tim Bauer, who coached Des Moines Rugby Club for yeah. like oh, wow. 100 years. Mm-hmm. And I should have, I never put the yeah. two, if we'd had rugby in Rockwell City, Iowa, that would have been perfect for me because I ran track, mm-hmm. long distance on willpower only yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and endurance. And, but you know, I'm, I'm, I was, I would have been built for rugby. So yeah. Um, yeah, I was there at the same time. I was like, huh, that's a heck of a deal. I was just, I was just working. Working full time at Home Depot up there in Waterloo. That's crazy! <laughs> wow, small world, but then also you're just like, oh, Shit. what if? Like, yeah, yeah. no kidding. It was right there. No regrets. Could have right? possibly <laughs> rocking one of these. No, <laughs> put your shorts back on. <laughs> oh my bad, sorry. <laughs> the same logos on your shirt. You didn't have to pull your shirt. Oh yeah, down. I forgot about that. <laughs> you sure about that? No regrets. Yeah. <laughs> regrets. Uh, well, I guess as we kind of wrapping things up here, we appreciate you coming in, and I guess. To kind of, I don't know, wrap this up, we said the girls' season, you know, we've got some new teams, we've got some new coaches. Uh, the boys' season coming up, hopefully to see some more teams, um, like maybe a team in Southeast Iowa because Kyle Roeder said he's going to start a team. Just had to call him out. Of course. Especially because he sponsors the show, and he's listening. He's like, I think I might set something up down. He's uh, – Where's he at? In Washington. Well, he's in Washington. Washington. Yeah. Like, in, so, like, there's, a, like, a ton, like a bunch of – Small communities down there. So we could get Clinton, Musk. You know, we've had interest from Musk. From well, because they had a 15s yeah. club yeah. back in the day. Yeah, homeboy the, used to play with them. And yeah. Zeus, too. Yeah, and Zeus, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, there's just so much potential. I, I really do think it comes down to getting coaches who have the confidence and also just they have that passion. I think they're out there, mm-hmm. but we just have to, like, get them in those spots. We will do, we will do coaching, mm-hmm. like, intro to coaching courses. We'll put it together. We just... Mm-hmm. You know, if it's one person or if it's 20, we'll do it. Well, and then we'll bring one person for sure. <laughs> the one. Yeah. We'll bring in yeah. people. And I, lo- I did my student teaching at, at Hoover and it's a great community. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the principal, uh, we'd probably have good support there, but you know, we'll bring in people to help us. I think mm-hmm. the X's and O's are easy. Mm-hmm. The hard part is uh, actually being a coach yeah. and lifting your players up, identifying uh, what they need to improve on. And uh, getting them to, to improve on that, identifying their strengths, put them in the right, right position to succeed. Uh, and 
things like the proactive coaching, it's a website, it's uh they, they do speaking, uh, they have booklets, things like that, that you never think about like, yeah. that. Those are the things that are most important and will make that team uh, sustainable and yeah. enjoyable. The X's and O's shoot. Everybody will give you that one magic drill. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just sevens. I mean, come yeah, on. Sevens. Come yeah. On. yeah, it's only sevens. Yeah, it's just sevens. <laughs> Even though it's, as we said, it's really progressed. And you see yeah. Waverly's layered attack off of the breakdown. You're yeah, like, amazing. It's not just sevens. Yeah. Um, so last question I have for you. With kind of the view from where you're at, what is your goal, like your five-year goal, 10-year goal for the Iowa Youth Rugby Association? Girls, boys? Just everything. Where do you want this league to be five, ten years from now? And that could be on the field play, off the field, um, numbers, just whatever. What is like one thing that is personally to you, not even from the league, but you personally, what do you want to see happen in the next five to ten years? Well, as you looked back, you know, there was a time there with COVID. It, I didn't know how long I was going to stay in it. Mm-hmm. Personally, my goal is to stay in it so that my son has something to play for. Uh, he's eight years old. He's going to third grade. Guess mm-hmm. what he's doing right now? On Tuesday nights, Parks and Rec, Des Moines, mm-hmm. rugby. Nice. And I keep opening my mouth. I keep mm-hmm. volunteering myself for stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's something about rugby. We don't know how to say no. No, it's hard. But I'm always going to I'm always gonna follow through. Um, and then he's got flag football, and then he's got basketball, and then he's got mm-hmm. swimming. And so my goal is to make sure that rugby is is a viable sport as he progresses. And so that kind of mirrors our goal as as an organization. I think our goal is to be a sanctioned school sport. Mm -hmm. Now, does that stay our goal? Do we want the pressure of being a sanctioned sport? Do we want the flexibility of staying club? Mm -hmm. Here's why we want, here's why we want to stay single school club sports is because they get sanctioned. Mm -hmm. Club teams don't. If we had one big Des Moines rugby team, high school team, they're not getting sanctioned. Right. But if we have Lincoln, East, Roosevelt, North, Hoover, mm-hmm. Ankeny, Centennial, Southeast Bolt, they're getting sanctioned as a school sport. But if it's all just yep. thrown together, it's never going to be sanctioned. It's going to be a traveling volleyball team mm-hmm. that parents pay $1,500 a year. So if that, but that's our current goal, and we're going to stay on that path until we have a consensus of where we should be. Mm-hmm. I think our vision is to uh, have a pathway from kindergarten all the way up to college for kids uh, access rugby, mm-hmm. right? We, we want them to enjoy rugby. It's We do touch rugby in the, in the one through eight and then mm-hmm. tackle from there. Um, and then, you know, our mission is just increase access mm-hmm. to rugby for islands because islands are good at it. You yeah, look at yeah. you look at islands that are moving on. I mean, mm-hmm. started with with Billups, yep, uh, and then you know you got uh, Paul and uh, what's the kids from the University of Iowa went up and he's, he's Ryberg, John Ryberg, yeah. and there was another one. Uh, his brother was a coach at Iowa City. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't think of his name. I'm sorry. Apologize for for blanking on well, that. Well, there but. was the kid from Iowa City played high school and now he plays for like the Gilgronies. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Cook. Cook. Yep. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yep. And he's a hooker. And that, yeah. that, that those Iowa city teams mm-hmm. battled Sally's Polk mm-hmm. for uh, two straight seasons. They're the reasons we went from 10 minute championship games back down to seven <laughs> because those extra three minutes 
were like, get the ambulance ready. Because right. they were just smashing right. each other. And then, of course, it's Ellis Pole getting around the edge and mm-hmm. scoring. Yep. But And um, then also, too, like on the women's side, you know, Rachel Erke yep. was at Valley. Yep. And then she's, also, she's, a, she's an eagle. The UNI has had multiple. And then like Jen Sinclair, like yep. there's all these yep. women that have been a part of rugby in Iowa yep. moving on. And this is before the pathways. This and, is before high school. And the key, I think, is keeping the access to rugby inexpensive because we have mm-hmm. a lot of kids that maybe couldn't afford it that, you know, we're never going to turn kids away, but keeping that price as low as we can so mm-hmm. kids can play versus yeah. like in mm-hmm. California or whatever, where it's, mm-hmm. it's more expensive. It's an mm-hmm. affluent sport. Cause look at where it, look at where all the top rugby players come out of. Mm-hmm. They're usually like Jesuit schools or yeah. something yeah. like that. Yeah. California beat like Utah, wherever. You yeah. Know? yeah. So, I mean, I feel like we have the, the chip on the shoulder, yep. you know, you're, you're too short for football. You're too <laughs> slow for football, but yeah, you got hardworking. It's like, they're not too short. They're not too slow. Yep. And so if they get turned away from like D1 football, it's like, those are our guys. Well, yeah. yeah. Play and like rugby can make you better at football if that's your goal. But then they'll see like, whoa, I have a pathway. Because mm-hmm. if you look at Ryberg, he's playing wing. Yep. And he's, I mean, he's not, how tall is he? He's, he's like your he's, height. He's about my height, but yeah. he's, he's stacked. He's yeah. pretty built. Exactly. Yeah. And so he walked down at Iowa for football and they're like, eh. He's like, cool, I'll do rugby. Cool. He has won a championship. He's getting looked at for like national level things. Mm-hmm. And again, that's just hard work. That's what we have here in Iowa. We got guys who are just they're gritty. Yeah. You got the wrestlers, you got the mm-hmm. defensive ends, and mm-hmm. you got the uh, basketball forwards. Yeah. When, when people ask me about rugby, I go, well, it's really tackle basketball mm-hmm. if, you, if you really think about it. Oh, yeah. Um, not so much football. But, you know, going back to that, like uh, something just, just left my mind. Um, just the skills that a player can get from rugby. Think of, mm-hmm. especially for the boys, like rugby is spring football. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The skills. When we have at East, our linemen mm-hmm. come out and they're improving their feet, they're improving their hands, and you have uh, cornerbacks that now understand angle, you know, yeah, yeah, angles field awareness, and actually getting below the pad and tackling and, and wrapping up and rolling. And if it's good see. enough for Pete Carroll mm-hmm. and the oh, Miami yeah. Dolphins and, yeah. and New England Patriots, yeah. Um, yeah. it's good enough yeah. for East High football. Right. It's good enough for So who is anybody. the, who is the, uh, the coach that just retired from Iowa, quarterback's coach, who was offensive coordinator? Oh, um, um, Ken O'Keefe? Ken O'Keefe. Yep. So a few years ago at the Iowa Football Coaches mm-hmm. uh, Association uh, clinic out at, at Prairie at, Meadows. At Prairie Meadows, yeah, yeah. Uh, he went to – I did a session out there mm-hmm. uh, from – rugby to football and uh he was in the session and he walks up to me afterwards and he says you need any help endorsing rugby in iowa mm. i firmly believe it because he was a quarterbacks coach at wow. miami right for the dolphins yeah yep. and so if it's good enough for him mm-hmm. and though then it's definitely good enough for our high school yeah. football players and i think too we are turning the corner because we had parker on in the last episode where the head coach of valley football joe swenson he saw Hunter Clark made honorable, honorable mention all state for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, only player to make an all state team that wasn't for 2A um, in the state tournament. He went from a second, third string linebacker, special teams guy, to he went to football camp this summer and the coach looked at him like, You are a different player. He's the captain of the defense starting middle linebacker for Valley. So Valley is going to be looking good here the next this next year because Parker thinks they're going to bring out 20 more football players. Because yes. the football coach is like, hey, special teamers, second, third stringers, 
go play rugby, yep. Yep. get field awareness. And I think, too, you didn't mention decision-making. Yes. Yep. There's no – like, football is like, here's your one job. Yep. You are in this box. Contain the right edge. Man-to-man mm. -man this guy. <laughs> you know, quarterback, you drop back and you have three decisions. Do I tuck and run? Option A, option B, maybe a tight end, you know, whatever. Where rugby, it's like all seven guys are making decisions mm. all the time, offensively, defensively. And then what Hunter said is when he went to football, it's like everything slowed down. You get that 40-second break between plays. Mm -hmm. And then you just have one phase, and then you're like, oh, that was it. Well, yeah. And he reads the field so much better. You mean I don't have to get right back yeah. up and tackle someone else and then well, run down the field? And... That's another thing, too. Though. It's like, what about like body awareness, too? Yeah. It's like in football, oh, yeah. obviously, you got pads and shit on, so you're like just throwing your body into it. Where like, Ruby, you do need to like – make a conscious decision on how to hit somebody, how to fall correctly. Mm -hmm. Kind of like how wrestling is too, like mm -hmm. having that body awareness and like how to fall correctly so you don't hurt yourself. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. you get a lot of that too, I feel like. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, a lot of benefits. So hopefully we can get that message out to coaches as well too. And, yeah, again, Clint, thank you for, for joining us. I feel yeah. like this was a lot of behind-the-scenes things that people don't normally see. We got the girls' season popping up soon. Mm -hmm. um, anybody who wants to help in an admin level – wants to shadow a team, wants to make a team, ref, anything. Just start the conversation. Even if you're like 50-50 on the fence, whatever, mm -hmm. just start a conversation and you don't know where it'll lead. Um, I, I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah. Just get a hold of you. We'll link everything. Um, yeah, you got any kind of final shout out to everybody for just anything? A little call to action or just... Anything we should look forward to? Now, I would, you know, thank the people that are are actively working hard to to manage their teams. Uh, my colleagues at the association that work hard to uh, get things out, and I th I think we run a professional organization. We do the best we can on a volunteer basis, and mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's 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 good. It's good for kids. It's mm -hmm. it's good for the state. It's uh, just like in the, was it the CRCs where it was the mm -hmm. state of rugby of the United the States, states of, the United States, states of, of Iowa, Iowa rugby, yeah, rugby. Yeah, yeah. like you just right there. That, that's the proof right there. We mm -hmm. had so many teams that were competing and, mm -hmm. um, we can do this. We just, we really do need help. We're not going to put too much on your plate. We're going to, if you have a skill, we're going to get you involved and, and, you know, take care of you. Yeah. So. Awesome. Well, thank you, Clint. Yeah. yeah thanks guys. It. And that was Clint Gadbury. What a lot of stuff to go over. There was a lot of stuff, but you know, he had a lot of really good stuff for me, like with the coaching wise and everything. And yeah. I really like the idea of, you know, having something set up to like help and basically improve, you know, new coaches confidence and stuff like that as like well. Coaching development. Like yeah. if, if you want the league to be successful and to survive, you have to support the people who are putting the work in, especially mm. because they're not being compensated. Yeah. So if they're not being compensated, which it's not that they don't, and like you heard him say, like he wants people to be paid and they're working on keeping the, and getting the costs lower for players and trying to figure out how to get coaches paid. But like you got to keep the coaches happy and you got to find ways that they can have success. Exactly. And I, yeah. Do you feel more confident in taking over a club? Do you like, I yeah. know we joke about it, but let's, let's be serious. Like, do you see it as a real possibility? Yeah. I mean, to an extent, I would really, because like 
things from talking with like JJ mm-hmm. about like maybe, you know, like shadow somebody or like be an assistant coach for mm-hmm. like your first year, just to kind of like get an idea, like how a successful coach would, you know, set up like, you know, a game plan and stuff like that, or like for practice, you know, and would you shadow a girls team this fall and be ready? for? See, spring? I thought about that too. Yeah. Like I was potentially interested in doing that if I can find the time to do it. Ah, that's, I know the magic know. ingredient the right time, there. Yeah. No one can give you that. I know that's the, the hard problem. part. Yeah. Because I feel like too, if we all had more time, like there'd be a thousand rugby teams in Iowa. Yeah. But I do like the idea of doing a North Hoover team, especially yeah. like new football coach, mm-hmm. ton of guys out for football. Yeah. I mean, you could probably get a handful of those guys. They're like some, you know, fringe athletes and like yeah. apparently like uh principal superintendent principal the principal yeah is pretty supportive on a lot of like school activity stuff so she she's great i i worked with her in waterloo we crossed paths she was at west i was at east but mm. there's a group of young teachers that cross paths and i knew her there and it's just crazy to see her trajectory so quinn kelly is her name okay that's she does really great stuff with like equity and inclusion and i feel like rugby is all about equity and inclusion, inclusion yeah. and they have a very very diverse group of students and obviously we've seen hoover have success before in rugby yeah those students are in there the next generation of those students are there i think you would be great for those kids i think they'd buy into it and i think she would help sell it and i think that part getting the kids there would actually be easier for you than most places um yeah, and then just working with experienced coaches to help you create plans. Yeah, that would be ideal. Because the thing is, man, the vibes in Des Moines right now for rugby are very good. Mm-hmm. Because like Clint said, one of the major goals that IBU Youth Rugby has is getting rugby into middle schools. So we just announced yesterday at my middle school that I'm activities director of, or the school engagement coordinator, sorry. Yeah. That's the title. We are starting a middle school, 6th, 7th, and 8th grade boys and girls touch rugby club where every Tuesday from August 30th till October 18th, kids will be able to learn the basics of rugby, play T3 rugby, maybe some flag rugby, other little mini games, basically work on communication skills, work on decision-making skills, ball handling skills, basically get the basics and also find a love for it. 6th graders in Des Moines can't do any organized sports through Des Moines. So we have to create clubs and a lot of girls might not like cross country or volleyball boys who aren't in eighth grade can't play football. This is a spot where they can go. I've got a bunch of guest coaches. So weeks middle school is not the only one that's doing this. And it's just one day a week. It's nothing crazy. One day a week, um, get the kids excited about. So when they go to high school at Lincoln or East, they're like, where's rugby? I did it in middle school. I I heard I could do it here. And, we're working on the other nine middle schools, Merrill middle school that feeds into Roosevelt. They're okay. going to do rugby as well. And there's a few others that are working on it. It's again, finding coaches who have the time to do it, but the interest in the kids, it's there, man. That's awesome. And it's awesome to hear. And if you did something on the North side with North and Hoover, I'm telling you, it's going to explode. You're going to do great. And you're going to have a lot of fun. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I love rugby. I just, Sometimes I'm just always worried about teaching it because, I mean, I had a little taste of it for Wednesday's practice, and I'm just like, <laughs> ugh, like, and these are grown-ass men, so. Yeah, <laughs> so when Nico, so Nico, who normally runs our pack session of practice, he's working himself into the back line, and he's like, hey, Phil, you're going to be in charge, which 
I think it was kind of like cool because it's one of those things like I've coached before. This is a good opportunity for you to like just take charge yeah. and coach the lineouts. How was that? It wasn't bad. I mean, like obviously running through our real like our basic structure stuff was good. Mm-hmm. Then when we tried to incorporate some more complicated stuff, that yeah, it, it kind of fell apart a little bit. But but your management wasn't bad. It was the execution, which <laughs> yeah. like it wasn't like you lost control of the guys no. and guys were doing whatever they wanted. It was just we ran a very complex play, probably too early. Yeah, and that wasn't your fault. That was the plan that was in place for you, but. I feel like he did well. Yeah, and you helped. You definitely helped, which was nice. I, I tried to guide you. Yeah. I just tried good. to give a little little, little push, a well, little I thought, nudge. I thought we did a pretty good job, though, making sure everybody got rotated yes. in and practiced, like, positions. Because sometimes it gets lost, and it's, like, starting side yeah. does basically everything. And then, you know, the guys that, you know, typically sub or whatever kind of just stand there and make yeah. maybe make a line for us or something like that. But we yeah. actually – I thought we did a good job getting yep. everybody rotated in, getting reps, which was nice. The number one thing I would say as a brand new coach, when you are creating drills or game-like situations, do whatever you can do to get people as involved as possible. Mm. The less amount of time standing in the back of a line, the less likely kids are going to get bored, the less likely kids are going to mess around, goof off, be Mm. distracted. They're not going to mess with each other. If they are active in a drill and they have to think and then their heart rate is up, you're going to reduce those negative behaviors that could Mm. derail a practice. The more time, because there's a lot of times too, it's like we always do the two-on-one drill. Mm. And if you got 20 people running a two-on-one and only only three people are working at one time, that's a bad drill. And I know like it's taken me 10 years to figure that out. I love that drill. Cool. We need to do three stations of it. So you're boom, boom, boom. Like just little things like that. Finding a way to get everybody involved at once and, Hey, you did that. I've been a big fan of the idea too of like having drills that constantly like it's not just like a set thing where it's like this is what you're doing, this is what you're doing, this is what you're doing. It's more of like you kind of need to figure it out for yourself yeah. and think a little bit, you mm-hmm. know, and like recognize like say gaps and everything else yeah. and like how you're supposed to be maybe coming up on defense or like what you're supposed to be looking for. Like I like those type of drills. Like I don't remember who are we talking to about that. So here's the thing: what you're explaining right now is a little. Well, teacher pedagogy right there. Yeah. It is a limited control of release of information where basically you have this idea of this is the big picture. This is what we're going to do. But I'm going to create this small situation. Mm. And while they're working on that small situation, you're, you give them set guidelines, but there's extra levels to it. But you don't tell them what the yeah. end goal is yet. And then when they start to figure it out themselves, they take ownership of it because I can tell you anything. Mm -hmm. It's going to go in one ear, out the other. Retention is around 12 to 15%. But if I give you a task and you figure that task out with very minimal, like, like I don't tell you step one, step two, step three. I give you like step one and a guiding question and you figure it out for your own, 80% retention there because you have ownership of that knowledge. And that's kind of like you create practice plans where like when we do that keep away drill yeah where we do two teams and we say there's no front back no nothing you just have to make 10 passes in a row without the ball hitting the ground and guys are kind of like wait do i score a try and like no just 10 passes don't let hit the ground and the other team tries to intercept it and then guys start to figure out like oh if i if i run this way and i communicate we can do quick pop passes and Mm -hmm. we can get and then people start to figure out 
rugby skills and decision making, but you didn't tell them yeah. to loop. You didn't tell them to to be communicating. They figured it out for themselves and now they own that. It might seem kind of odd, but it's like that's why I always thought like touch was mm-hmm. such a great way to like practice. It, mm-hmm. it seems like it, it might seem like it's being kind of lazy, but when you think about it, there's very minimal direction, mm-hmm. you know, and you're trying to recognize these gaps and like figure out maybe when would be a good time to like yeah. run a switch or loop or whatever, yeah. you know, like that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. But sometimes people might need a little more structure than that. There are a lot of people who hate touch I love and think touch. it's a waste of time. And then there's other people who love it because of the decision making. And I think the the people who hate it are like, when you're playing rugby, like 15s, like it's not that quick. It's but, not that quick. And then like some of the passes to get really wild and out yeah, of hand. And yeah. like, there's not really, I mean, like you can run touch like with rucks and stuff like that, yeah. but and if I don't you know, worked, sometimes they get like really wild. It's like you would not make that pass in a game kind of situation. You oh, know? you mean like Juju this last yeah. week? <laughs> he made eight behind the back passes and he was eight for eight. And we're like, please don't do that in the game. But it's like it worked every time in practice. Yeah, right. <laughs> it was re- he, had re- he had the greatest practice of all time on Wednesday. I know. Dude, he big dicked me too on that little kick. I was so mad. <laughs> oh, oh, you were two inches taller, Phil. I know. I thought I had it. It was, like, it was just floating. I'm like, oh, sweet. And he just snatches it right out of my hands. I'm like, shit. <laughs> that's what the podcast name should have been we were two inches taller <laughs> I, I like b-side boys better <laughs> i know i do too but i don't know that it's a long one today so if you stuck with us to the end we appreciate you thank you we feel like this was a really fun episode because it was uh, like major league rugby huge high school rugby in iowa huge yep. uh just things are going on in the metro you know we got, yeah it's huge for us yeah and your community can do this too. Like middle school rugby, one day a week, get it in Quad Cities, get it in Iowa City, get it in Cedar Rapids. It's possible. Get it in. Waverly's like, already kind of doing it. Waverly's, <laughs> do, yeah. Everyone's got to catch up to Waverly's youth yeah, program because they're they're killing it. Yeah, Wickham already commented. He's like, hey, let us know when you want a game for the middle school. <laughs> yeah, I'm just awesome. like, I don't even know if we're going to have kids shop. They will, but that'd be it, cool though. It will be. Yeah. Because that's the goal. But we, transportation and uniform, <laughs> uh, we'll get there. You'll figure it out. But yeah, so thank you if you stuck with us to the end. Great episode today. Phil, a lot of topics, a lot of stuff. How are you feeling? Good, you. 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 Fresh legs, fresh legs, fresh legs, fresh legs, fresh legs.